Welcome, everybody, to the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John. This is a weekly podcast that covers all things in the geek sphere, like movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and, of course, a variety of film festivals like the one I will be talking about on this episode. Before I go into that, I wanted to give a shout-out to the sponsors of this episode, which are American Music and Vexing Media. American Music is a locally owned music store in Seattle that offers everything from guitars, drum kits, microphones, amplifiers, lighting, and accessories, and has been an icon in the Fremont neighborhood since 1975. So go check them out at AmericanMusic.com. And the other sponsor, Vexing Media, I can say with all sincerity, this podcast would not be what it is without the amazing support that they provide. Uh, They do all of the audio editing services for this podcast and others. They also provide graphic design and website design services. So definitely check them out at their website, vexingmedia.com or on Twitter at vexingmedia. Go to them for all of your digital media needs. Uh, If you are interested in becoming a sponsor, send an email to abouttoreview at gmail.com. Or, I mean, you could head to the somewhat neglected Patreon page, uh, which is patreon.com slash abouttoreview if you want to throw in a dollar and help keep the studio lights on. Now that those bases are covered, let me tell you where I am. I will give you a hint. It starts with a C and ends with Canada. That is right, I'm back in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, because I was asked to come up here and cover the 2017 Vancouver WebFest. This festival is Canada's premier international digital media festival that showcases web series from across the globe, hence international, and I cannot wait to watch all of the selections over the next couple days. Uh, And also, big shout out to Suzette Lacroix for giving me the opportunity to cover this event and also to Yvette Liu for making those introductions in the first place. Uh, As with most of my festival coverage, on this episode I will be, uh, shall we say, finding or creating some space for a studio at the venue to interview some of the creators of these projects who are here presenting their work. After the festival is over, I will break down my favorites from each screening block and eventually select my best of the 2017 Vancouver WebFest. So stay tuned for this crazy adventure here at the 2017 Vancouver WebFest. Oh yeah, one more thing. So remember when we were children and at least I had that old Fisher-Price record player it was the brown one kind of tan and it took the 45 records and it came with a book and it said when you hear this sound turn the page right so (laughs) what i thought of similar to again my other festival coverage between each interview segment that i end up getting there will be a sound to indicate the end of one interview going into the next that sound is going to be this beautiful right just like when we were kids so enjoy the episode and here we go so i'm now sitting down with the woman who without her we would not have this amazing festival i'm sitting with miss suzette lacroix 
Well, hello. Hello there. So like I said, without you, there would not be a Vancouver Web Fest. Probably not. No, definitely not. Because you started this. When when was the first year that you started this? Well, I went to um, a Web Fest in L.A. In, in 2013. Okay. It was because of that festival that I wanted to start Vancouver Web Fest. So uh, we had it um, May 2014 was our first year. So this is the fourth year. <laughs> right, fourth. Fourth year. Fourth. Now, every year, what has the growth been like? Um, actually, you know what? It, it's... We, our first year, I was very pleasantly surprised with our... Because, you know, first year in Canada. Right. We were the first in Canada. Um, we were the fifth in the world. Oh, wow. Right. And, we, you know, and we did a, we did for some good marketing. And so, but you never know. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do all you want. And, but when we started having people from Australia show up, and we had people from New York and mm-hmm. Texas and uh, we, as far, Mexico. Sheesh. Yeah. You know, and it was in Europe. We had Italy, Spain, England... France, I, it was phenomenal. It and was not just submitting their no, series, but they actually showed attending. Up once they are like their official selections, because we had that year we had seventeen countries submit, which wow. I was like thrilled about. Um, this year we year? had twenty-seven countries submit. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, we it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm really pleased with you know where it's gone, but but in the first year, so you know, I'm standing there, the doors open, you know, and you go. Right. <laughs> And you're standing there and you just want to barf because <laughs> it's like, well, I said, if nothing else, you know, because I think I had a team of seven or eight at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, we had about 35 volunteers on because mm-hmm. of the, the space. And I said, well, if nothing else, we've got 45 people. We can just go party ourselves. There you go. You know, watch and some movies. I'm like, watch there's some food, series. there's some booze, you know. And, you know, and we probably, oh, at that time, a couple, 300 people. I mean, in wow. our first year. You know, and I was like, I mean, and we're talking, you know, and it was just, it, it stayed, and it probably, there was a lot of come and goes, like some people's mm-hmm. family say, would just come down and watch the screenings, right. or, and then some people just want to come to the parties, because it, it's, a, it's a public event, mm-hmm. so it's not private, it's not just for invite only, I mean, we open it to the public for the reason of getting people in here to watch the creator's web series so that we can spread the love, you know, and, um, but no, I was really pleased. And then as, yeah. And as the years have gone, like we just keep getting bigger and bigger. So, well, it's like this year, the people that we've got coming in, um, for our keynotes, for our panels, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got, uh, well, no, you guys, of course, you, I mean, it's Canadian, but you know, just for laughs. Yes. You know, I mean, I know that sounds funny, but CBC comedy out of Toronto. I mean, these mm-hmm. are, pretty big networks and uh, and then we've also got um propagate content which Mm -hmm. is ben silverman's company and then of course we've got a youtube um panel going on Mm -hmm. right now lisa schwartz Mm -hmm. now for those youtube lovers you'll all know who lisa is jennifer uh chu matt who is that and and jason oh yeah so that's from ifht Mm -hmm. right so i'm not going to tell you guys what that means look it up um and of course Bradley Friesen, you know, and he's a helicopter pilot. He's got yeah. beautiful work. Like, he's His amazing. His stuff was incredible. Yeah, and then basically, um, and then Matt uh, Clark, of course, from Convos with my two-year-old. I mean, it's been a it's been a phenomenal weekend. We had mm-hmm. virtual reality here on Friday. Right. And, uh, like, it just, like, we had the two-hour panel, uh, sorry, workshop, and then they moved in to another room, and they basically opened it up so that you could have your own experience. And mm-hmm. the place was packed. Like, people were lined up to put those, you know, VR glasses on. and. Mm-hmm. And no, but it's been a phenomenal weekend. I said, like the people that we've come in this year have come. Funny enough, has come as far as Australia again. Wow. Yeah, and I mean all over the U.S., across Canada. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, in Europe. And I, I like I said, but the, again, the the keynotes and the panelists that we're attracting this mm -hmm. year, I'm like so pleased with, you know, because again, it's just sort of, and you know, and I just got um, feedback from one of them from GRB Entertainment out of oh Los yeah. Angeles, uh, Mike, and you know, he he just said. You know, he goes, I wanted to, you know, he goes, you sold me on coming up, but sometimes until mm -hmm. you get there. And he said, you didn't even give it the credit that it was worth. Wow. So he said, you know, and again, we're very, we're very boutique still. Like we're not like a, you know, a, a TIFF or a, you know, M MIP TV or, you know, mm -hmm. but we're very boutique. But what we do have is very high quality. Absolutely. Of the series, the people that attend and and networking and you know the panels and stuff and that's where we want to you know so that when people do come here they're not disappointed right so talk about the webfest as a whole as far as the organization if somebody is listening to this who maybe has a youtube series or mm -hmm. something on vimeo mm -hmm. what would you recommend to them to get in touch with you and like how would they go about well, that basically i mean at this point i mean they could definitely get in touch with me i mean i do reach out and you know if people ask questions or have me look at their their series or something. Mm -hmm. I will absolutely. But one of the biggest things is is I would encourage them to take a look at say who our official selections are. Okay. And and Google them. I mean I say that because unfortunately the links aren't always they, they're not there in the sense because some of them are private anyway. Right. But ninety percent of them you can just copy paste and find them on the internet because they're Vimeo or they're YouTube but mm -hmm. they they are public right. Um, and if they're not they're not anyways and I couldn't give out the information regarding right so like there was one uh, from last night uh like model mayhem or something like that mm -hmm. where it is only available currently in europe yeah oh there you go so yeah, yeah. something like that where same with that hollywood hollywood um was that hollywood madam yeah madam hollywood madam hollywood there yeah, we yeah. go yeah yeah and um yeah and it's um yeah exactly it's only available in europe at this point but and that's luck of the draw somewhat and that's why you should come to the festival then you'd see it right right and meet the people exactly so what would you say is the biggest benefit of this festival to those content creators. Well, I mean, oh, we have also well, okay. First of all, they, you know, getting, I mean, getting their work seen is huge, of mm -hmm. course, as we're well aware. But the idea of the networking that we've got going on, for sure. And as official selections, they get to meet with our speed daters. And I mean, and you saw who some of our speed daters were, and that wasn't going on a date and getting married, people. Right. That's um, <laughs> that's like a pitch session, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, the again, we had international and Canadian. Um, it's at the front there at Pitchies, and what it is is we get it's a three-minute speed dating because we figure if it's gonna, if it's gonna, um, if you're gonna, if you're gonna connect, you're gonna connect, and then mm -hmm. you exchange cards. We have a networking party afterwards so that mm -hmm. the people can do it. But like I mean, again, we had CBC Comedy. Now that's Canadian, granted, but you never know who knows who. Exactly. And they do take co-productions. You know what I'm saying? We got GRB Entertainment out of LA, mm -hmm. just for laughs out of Montreal. Right. You know, they, they do web series. We also had legal advice in our pitch sessions because... That was also really interesting right? that I, I thought was interesting. The guy from uh, Machinima. Yeah, Machinima came you know, up. He was here. And so really talking about those legal aspects because you can have a great project yeah. and want to get it out there. And you then might need some help at some point. Exactly. And that this is what's... I mean, and these people are exchanging cards. They're not just taking your pitch. Like one of the things that the... the, the and I'm not saying anything, you know, other um, festivals or, you know, but... What it is, is the people that came up were extremely interested mm -hmm. in what we had to offer. They, you know, they'd taken a look at the website. They'd seen our official selections. Um, like we had uh, even like VR America's come up from L.A. Right. Right. And he he sat down because he's he not only wanted to hear what they had to say, but they want to get 
uh, virtual reality into web series. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're all in. I mean, it, they've even admitted that VR um, is in its infancy. For sure. So it's still working out the kinks. I mean, and again, we had Sika TV out of Minnesota, and he's looking for. He's you know he's amazing. Like he's yeah. you know, and and again, the quality that's going into these web series. So I mean, again, I mean, the the list is on the website, of course, mm-hmm. but. Um, what we do, and it, the idea is, these people make deals. Right. I mean, and elves they can, and, and they can't unless they do this. So, so we offer this to the creators as well, you know, and and then the networking opportunities throughout the weekend and all the people that they're going to meet. I mean, it just goes on and on, and you know, and it goes fast. Mm-hmm. Friday at 10 a.m. and now we're Sunday night. We're only a couple hours away Seriously. from the award <laughs> ceremony. Yeah. How'd that happen? Has completely flown by. Right. It's like so, and then of course the award ceremony is a pretty big deal. Like we go all out. I mean, mm-hmm. um, we have presenters that come in from around the world to present the trophies. Um, they're custom designed uh, lead crystal. Wow! You know they they're flowing in. Like is there an award for best podcast coverage? Right, dude. I mean, just throwing that okay, out there. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to be bringing that in for like you know because I think that's pretty amazing. Just the, like, you know, know. I'm, I'm with you because there's like those podcasters, you know, those guys, those mm-hmm. you know, I've heard about them, but yeah, you know, thankfully I'm not sure. I'm, just <laughs> I'm so funny, but yes. And, but funny enough that has been brought to my attention on Twitter. Wow. Like over the last and not couple even by years. Me, no, cause you didn't even know me. I did not until, whenever. until this weekend who, who interviewed us. I mean, not interviewed, <laughs> introduced us. I could have said even more than that. So it was after I covered the Vancouver short film fest. That's right. That's that right. I got connected to more the Vancouver scene and I have been blown away by just the generosity that right. that everybody in the film community in Vancouver, you know, has shown to me while I have been up here. Yeah. Okay. And cool. I've been invited to other Sweet. events. So just see it is no, incredible. see okay, so that's right. That was Vancouver short. I was like I couldn't play I, and you know mm-hmm. I remember meeting on Twitter. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah, no that but no the idea is like you said, share the love. I mean if we can ex- mm-hmm. if we can give these people opportunities and not just from Vancouver, but you know, like worldwide, nothing would make me happier. And that's why I started the festival in the first place, is to have these hardworking creators um be you know, make connections and right. be seen. Mm-hmm. Because again, I remember being in LA at the LA Web Fest about four years ago or uh, twenty thirteen and and I, I was on a panel, and um, somebody just in the audience said, you know, I'm here, I am here, but why should I pay to come see web series when they're free online? Right. I said, okay, would you know if any of these even existed? Mm-hmm. 50%, 60 80 90 Would you? I said, I didn't know 98% of them existed yeah. before I came here. I didn't know any of them. I mean, okay, sure, Mike put them online of the official selections. Right. And but, you know, you get the opportunity to go see them and go and start writing down the ones you want to go home and watch the rest of. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and so that's when and that that made sense, because otherwise, would you ever know have half of these or any of these? Right. And then when you see them, you're like, oh, my God, that's really good. Yeah. And because one of the things that we're trying to teach the web series creators, too, is how to market themselves. Mm-hmm. Some know, some don't. And we've had that was a distribution thing. There was also on our workshop. Um, I'm calling it marketing because I forget because my brain is fried. Right. But, but anyways, it was how to market yourself, how to get out there, how to get the views, how to get the people mm-hmm. following. And then that's what we also offer the creators. And other, other industry, like anyone can come to this festival. Yeah. But the, the workshops that we offer, are, again, are I'm really pleased with who we have come in and what they talk about. But so like I said, I'm really happy with how they we- the weekend's gone. Mm-hmm. Three days. Um, 
And again, I, I'm, I've been working on 2018s for like since before Christmas. Wow. I know, right? Way ahead of things. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, I think 2018 is going to blow people away. Like, I mean, I'm happy with what we did the last mm -hmm. four years, but we've gone, yeah, I'm, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Right? We will follow up on but that. But it is April next year. next year. Okay. Unless it changes. But um, tentatively April. <laughs> yeah. So beginning of April, like April 6th to 8th or something, that first okay. week, like right after Easter. So. Because we've gotcha. been falling in Vancouver two years in a row. We've been falling in spring break. Ah. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oops. Because I thought spring break back in the olden days followed Easter. So whenever Easter was, was spring break. Mm. We always got, we always got br like in school. And uh, I don't know if it's Vancouver or if I'm old. But they've changed <laughs> it. It's always in April. I mean, huh. sorry, always in March, like these two weeks. So it doesn't make, because like this year, Easter is in, like last year it was in March. So that's why I thought that. This year, it's like the first weekend in April, and next year, it's like April 16th or vice versa, but still, it's like hmm. whenever they, I guess whenever the Easter Bunny comes out and says when it is, I don't know. Of course. So anyways, but yeah, so everybody can watch for that, and of course, VancouverWebFest.com to Fantastic. go in and go in just to watch and follow us on Twitter, mm -hmm. Van Webfest, and Instagram, Van Webfest. Mm -hmm. Else am I? Facebook, Vancouver Webfest. Yes, Facebook. Right? You guys have a very active right? Facebook page, oh, which is hey, great. So we got the thing from Twitter saying we're trending. I saw that. Right? Yeah, I actually sent out a tweet about that All as right. well. So, you know, it is pretty neat. Like, and I mean, mm -hmm. I get excited, as you can see. And I think when I stop getting excited, I'm, I'm done. Somebody else right. can take over. I, that could be. That absolutely makes sense. Because, you know, if you can't stay excited about something that you created, then <laughs> move along. It's <laughs> time to move along. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you in the arse on the way out. You right. Know? <laughs> right. So instead of moving along, when you think back, like, what were the movies that got you into film? Like, what were those first moments where you were like, this is something that I care about. This is something that I could see myself getting involved in. Um, well, you know what? None really, because it was a coincidence I got in this industry. I mean, a, a very, I don't know if that's a coincidence. That's the wrong word. I'm tired. It was <laughs> kind of a fluke, I think, because mm -hmm. a friend of mine who was in the industry as a filmmaker, uh, and I mean, a cameraman scene, whatever. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, why don't you give me some of your money? He asked if I'd lend him some money or give him money or whatever, fund his, his project. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, let me read it. Tell me about it. So it turned out that we wrote it together. Wow. He directed, I produced. And I had no background in, in film at all, right? And I thought, well, this is kind of cool. This could be fun. And um, so fast forward, we made a pilot. Mm -hmm. None of the Canadian networks would pick it up. They're like, good idea, but go find a production company. Right. Right. And, and then you're like, we, we are the production well, company. Right? I mean, I need your money. So. And then so we went like production companies. And they're like, well, we like the idea, but nah, if we have our own stuff. And it was about 500000 an episode minimum. Wow. To, you know, so if you wanted to do it right, like mm -hmm. what they put on TV. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so then, you know, we're like, okay, so to keep it going... I don't know. I was playing on the computer, looking around for stuff and to like submit it into other festivals, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And came across LA web fest. And okay. you know, so that's when we made it into a web series. And then I went down there and it was an interesting experience that I was like, Hey, and I said, Hey, you know what? I think I'm not, you know, I want to do this up in Canada, blah, blah, blah. So I mm -hmm. fast forward. And so when I, so that's, I mean, and I, then I worked on some other films and shorts and stuff okay. like that, but it was seriously only since like 2011. That is amazing. So I don't go back further than that other than watching the stuff. Right. And had no desire, no thoughts, no anything on it. And, and I haven't, I mean, I've been asked to produce a few more shows, but I mean, I'm so involved in Vancouver Webfest mm -hmm. and building it right now that I don't have the time, but it's extremely flattering. And who knows where, what will come in the future as far as me getting involved in producing more or whatever. So, I mean, I'm, an, I'm open to it, but, you know, I still have big, huge goals for Vancouver Webfest that I'm focused on at this time. So... 
you know, Excellent. so to take it to the next level, right? For sure. So, but yeah, so I, like I said, I mean, it's, yeah, it's an interesting journey. Yeah. You know. Well, last question, and I ask this whenever I cover festivals, right. similar to this, for that web content creator, what is your biggest piece of advice that you could give to that creator? You know what? The biggest piece of advice is to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Know you can do it. Work hard, but really take the time. Like, for instance, to come to the festivals, even if your stuff didn't get in mm-hmm. or it's not ready or you haven't even started and see what's out there. Because the quality of stuff that I got in 2014 mm-hmm. to now is incredible. Right. I mean, and again, not that, you know, it's just you got to go and see what's out there. And it's just so I mean, again, put your put everything and then some into it. But we were actually named um, the Sundance of WebFest. By in by wow. Wire out of New York, wow! <laughs> because we let we've got studios submitting and indies submitting, mm-hmm. and and we're talking like high end like the stuff that's coming in, and like that that Madame Holly Hollywood yeah. was from Studio Plus out of France. Right, there were a couple of those, and as soon as I saw that, I saw their logo on screen. I was like, I know that studio. Right. So that was pretty incredible. So so and and so I'm really proud to say, too, that because um, it's been over the last couple of years because our judges, we had 40 judges from 13 countries. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We, we you know, like I play hardball. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and because it's I think it's worth it and I think it's fair. And one of the things is, is they don't look at who submitted. They watch the film. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And yep. that's that's so important because I don't want them persuaded by that it's an indie or Absolutely. it's a studio. Not that they would be, by the way, but, mm-hmm. you know, so, and you know what? And at the end of the day, it's all, it's all in competition. So, and we had, we had, we had indies win over studios last year. In fact, our best overall was an indie. Wow. So it was whatever Linda, right? And it was, it was phenomenal sh- uh, uh, web series. So, so having said that, like I said, it, there's, there's a lot to take in when people are submitting, but the advice I would get is give them is to, you know, Put your all in. Put your heart in. Mm-hmm. Go with what your dreams are and make it work. And do whatever you can to make it work because at the end of the day, it's about you and what you want to do. Right. And then, like I said, um, you know, and if you're not sure, come to the festivals, ask questions, meet the people, go yeah. to the panels, meet the other filmmakers or the creators and learn from it. And and I think it's and that and the networking that goes on, like. You know, I'm thrilled to say that the, the connections that we've made over the last few years, people write me all the time or come back and say, oh, my God, if it wasn't for your festival, I would have never met so-and-so and did this. And now mm. I'm, I'm, even if it's not a web series, but they're doing a short or they're yeah. working on a film. And, in fact, Kate Cottrell, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, she she met um, uh, the Germans, uh, and, I, you know, of course, Jan and that guy. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Um but you know what? They're working together now. She's U.S., they're German. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, again, and that's just one example of, like, many where I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, this is worth every every 18-hour day I put in. Wow. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Because, I mean, I, nothing is more gratifying than I'm connecting people. For sure. And I think one of the things that I also hear at these festivals whenever I cover them and that I have talked about before is just give yourself the opportunity to be successful. Yeah. So coming to something like this, whether it is, you know, this one or one in their local city, wherever Absol- they're listening whatever, to this. Yeah, that and like watch that too, or go to your local. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And to just give yourself that opportunity because you never know yeah. who you could meet, what type of advice you could be given. Yeah. So. And, 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 and that's a good point because like we, we just said go local, but if, if you can, and it does cost money, but sometimes it is good to go t- to other cities because mm-hmm. it's people you may never meet otherwise. Because yeah. that's one of the things I do. I, I mean, I do go down to Seattle Webfest and I do mm-hmm. go to a couple of, but I tend to go to the Natties and to the VidCons and to the MIPCOMs and the TIFFs. And that's where I've gotten the list of people that I've gotten, you awesome. know, because I'm meeting those people at, because I'd never meet them at other web fests or they've already done though. I mean, again, mm-hmm. it's not even that I wouldn't, I'm not saying they don't get great people, but one of the things is, is, and I don't mind stealing and saying, Hey, do you want to come to our festival? But right. the idea is bringing in new blood. And mm-hmm. if we can bring in new blood, uh, you know, again, I, you know, it's, it, these are all great people, but the idea is that, uh, that our creators can learn new things. And hear different things and you know so every year it's if we can change it up we will excellent you know well so far it has been a blast the next thing Sweet. is all the awards ceremonies right? stuff tonight i know so that's i'm very excited to see you uh, and i don't okay that. and i don't know who wins because i decided i do not believe that no, for listen a second to no here's you're gonna love this so after the first year because because mm-hmm. i'm kind of one of those people that it's like take me as i am otherwise oh well this and is my so, surprised face right yeah right <laughs> right it's like or this is my so I meet you, and mm-hmm. I know you didn't win, mm-hmm. and I'm like, so anyways. Um, Ooh, so some you people know, call that a poker right, face, <laughs> right? The poker face doesn't work for Suzette. Gotcha. So hence why I don't play poker because I give it away. Right. I've got the winning hand. Um, but no, th- honestly, um, after the first year, mm-hmm. I decided I never wanted to know who won, because when I meet, when that way when I meet all the creators, not that I wouldn't be sincere, but I just don't want to have that like oh yeah, God, the weight on your act? shoulders for right? sure. So everything. So once the um, the the programming is done and it goes to the judges. Mm-hmm. The judges are instructed to send their results to our legal team, Altman wow. and Company. Mm-hmm. They they go through the scores. Mm-hmm. If there's any ties, they bring in another pa- um, another jury, mm-hmm. and they have to rejury it. <laughs> if that's the right words. And sure. then you know, sure, I'll make up my words. Yeah. And then and then they order the trophies. Mm. The trophies are delivered tonight. And you have not seen them? I have not seen. The only person that has seen them other than them and the people they ordered them from mm-hmm. is the, our IT guy. That's why IT guy, guy gotcha. needs to know because he gotcha. puts the trailer mm-hmm. yeah, up. Yeah. And then um, they come up. Hopefully they're here. And if not, mm-hmm. we do actually mail the trophy to them. But, um, yeah, they come up and they do a little speech. That's awesome. And if they go too long, we hook them up. I'm not kidding. Right, yeah. There's yeah. a big candy so cane yeah, hook yeah, that yeah, comes right, out. Right, the candy cane hook. No, but you know, and then it's all about the fun. And then we go into, and it's a, we actually have it as a semi-formal, so we do encourage people, you know, because it's all about celebrating them. Mm-hmm. And Vancouver's a very yoga town. We like right. to, I personally, but they like to wear their yoga pants and their shorts with mm-hmm. winter jackets. But anyways, but you know, it's a, just a reason and of celebration and mm-hmm. respect for them as filmmakers, you know. So then there's a party afterwards and I kick them out because we have to clean up. That sounds but like a plan. anyone can stick around to help. Right. <laughs> Think Calling for volunteers, right? right. <laughs> I mean, anyone listening, come on down. Except I they're listening to this on Wednesday. Shit. So okay, okay. Hopefully, next year, yeah, next, next year, <laughs> book April 6th to 8th. See you there, right? Volunteer Excellent. and just think what you can watch. <gasps> there you go. Okay, there you go. Well, cool. And then, so, again, the website, VancouverWebFest.com. Yeah. That's correct, yeah. And do you have a Twitter handle? That yeah, so VanWebFest. Okay. And then Instagram, VanWebFest. Mm-hmm. And then Facebook, VancouverWebFest. Perfect. Right. Well, thank you, Suzette, for making the time. So I'm going to have 80,000 followers by the end of this 
Wednesday. Of course. Right? Oh, of you, course. Dude, love you. <laughs> hey, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Uh, yeah, thanks, Kate. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. So I am now sitting down with the one and only Brett Patrick Jenkins, also known as Perkins. I think is that, is that a nickname? That's, I yours? don't know who told you that. Who told you that? And I have my sources. Wow, that's funny. Um, do you want to hear that story? Of course, I want to hear that story. Okay, <laughs> we can do that now or whenever. But there's definitely now. a story. Right. That. Yeah, go for it. So <laughs> I work one of my one of my f- earliest gigs in Hollywood was on this terrible Gary Busey movie. Right? Okay, wait, and are you terrible? Is there a good one? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Point Break. Okay. Point Break was good, good. Buddy good. Holly, the original Buddy yes. Holly. All right, uh, but um, yeah, no, your point well taken. <laughs> All right. So you know, when I was starting out in in Hollywood, you know, I was I was felt at the time I was lucky just to be on set, and I wanted to do anything on set. I wanted to work so hard that there's no way they could fire me. You know, so right. like while I would be hired for one thing, I would still. You know, I was talking to the camera department, trying to figure out how to help them and load film. I was doing visual effects. I was taking the trash out. You name it, Sheesh. I was doing it. Anything right? to just get your face. In yeah, front and of, you know, an independent people. film, the f- crew bonds quickly, and you feel like, you know, especially if you have a, a team of people who don't have a tremendous amount of experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you like you feel like you're together and you're doing something special. Right. You know. And so there I am, I'm fresh off the boat from Austin, and I'm working on this movie with a big movie star, Gary Busey, mm-hmm. and at this point, we we're about two weeks into the film, and so I've really bonded with the crew, and the the first assistant cameraman, this guy named Vince D'Amelio, Vince D'Amelio who's a very talented writer, he got his big break Years later, he rewrote Meet the Fockers, okay. and he's written yep. several other films. He's had films in Sundance, a film nice. called um, Fit, short called Fits and Starts. It's fucking hysterical. But anyway, so he, he looks down at me and he goes, hey, uh, uh, Perkins, can you, uh, <laughs> can you bring the camera up here? I was like, who the fuck is Perkins? You start looking behind you, yeah. <laughs> like, is there a Perkins? He's here? like, it's you, you're... Brett Patrick Perkins. It's like, my name's not fucking Perkins. <laughs> He's like, that ah, is now. So everyone on that crew, you know, called mm-hmm. me Perkins from them, and it kind of kind of stuck, but it's a circle of people that call me that. There's a few other Gary Busey stories that I'll have to tell you on the next episode. That would, <laughs> the yeah, more Those the are merrier. even better. Wow. Yeah, much better. So I'm going to include myself in that small circle of people who can call you Perkins. Is that okay? Sure, sure. Excellent. Sure. Well, great. So... Uh, like I said, you are you are the one and only, because you are involved in everything. It seems like, so you had a panel uh, earlier today, and unfortunately, so I have been here since nine a.m. Amazing. Watching every screening block. Yeah. So I actually There's been a lot of good ones. There have been some incredible ones. I had to miss your panel okay. earlier today about kind of the future of digital television and what those next steps are. So can you kind of go over some of the highlights of that panel that you had earlier? Sure. Um, Yeah, so I met Suzette, the organizer Mm -hmm. of this festival. I was speaking on a panel in Miami at a conference called NAPI, which is largely a distribution festival where there's a lot of Latin American buyers, sellers, creators. Okay. And I was speaking uh, on a panel about content innovation with a few other kind of 
what 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 is described to me as thought leaders in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, basically a bunch of idiots who think they know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're, myself I feel like included. I watched a film about thought leaders earlier tonight. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So Suzette came up to me after. She's like, "I love that panel. You know, I run this festival. Would you please come?" And uh, she's she's really awesome. And I think she embodies the spirit of this place, which is if you haven't ever been to the Vancouver Wed Fest, I think is a really fun place to be. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so she asked me to t- speak about the future of digital television. And I think, you know, it's an interesting time to be a content maker and a mm-hmm. content creator because the entry point for content creation has never been lower. And, and what I Absolutely. mean by that is you don't really need incredibly fancy equipment mm-hmm. to publish your content to people from all around the world. You know, when I was growing up, it was very difficult to make stuff. I remember when the Canon XL1 came out. And I was wow. like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is a game changer, mm-hmm. you know. And even then, it was still tapes, you know, and right. it was still more too expensive for me to afford. Mm-hmm. And you st- it still had shitty audio, and you still had to, like, then have a computer or find a way to digitize it. And, like, nowadays, you can shoot a movie on your phone, or you can podcast yeah. from your phone, or you can record an album from your phone. So it's... The, uh, the the content marketplace, the global content marketplace is an interesting place because there's so much content being created. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the cable industry is contracting. We're seeing right. the consolidation of places. You know, recently Esquire closed. Spike changed to Paramount. There's some consolidation happening amongst network mm-hmm. executives and, and the real kind of my friends in the industry. A lot of them, some of them are losing their job or kind of being reassigned. Um, but then we're seeing this huge outpouring of money from places like Netflix and right. Amazon and YouTube Red uh, and HBO and other places that are expanding in Hulu and and there's more opportunity if you're you know a kid who's never been to Hollywood and you want to become a director or a writer you mm-hmm. you can you know there's a way to do that and never go to Los Angeles which other than you know New York and a and a handful of places in Europe has been incredibly hard to do so the talk was just kind of designed to help people see that there is a a a possibility of getting your piece of that $570 billion pie that's out there right now. Right? Cuz one of the main things that that you have worked on recently cuz again, your bench is deep. You have worked on so many things. So in the past few years you have done a lot of unscripted shows. Yeah. What are the unique challenges for an unscripted show versus a traditional scripted show? Yeah, good question. I mean, um, for me, I like things that are new and different and seem innovative and fun that will engage the viewer. You know, there's different people like to work in different ways. A lot of people rely on data or a lot of people rely on what's on right now to, to kind of drive what the next project that they make. Mm-hmm. I've never been that way and our company's not that way. You know, I think um, Steve Jobs... I remember reading a quote from him years ago where he was like, people don't know what they fucking want. Right. Um, (laughs) And, and I think I see his point, even though I don't express it the same way he does. What I think what the heart of his note, what he was saying is like, if you just make something great, Mm -hmm. you know, people will, will want it. And reality or an unscripted or alternative television to me has always been really incredible because like if you think of Orson Welles and War of the Worlds on the yes, radio so long absolutely. ago, like reality can really be whatever the fuck you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And there's such a, an opportunity to make 
work with interesting subcultures and interesting characters who aren't traditional performers or create games and environments that aren't traditional games. So it really kind of transformed what storytelling can be in some ways what we're seeing right now with like digital creators. But, you know, it really depends on the show, whether it's a game show or a docu-series or an interview-driven show or mm-hmm. a procedural show. or It depends on, you know, the, your kind of entry point in the world that you're capturing. But I think reality can be fun for a number of reasons, including on the ideation and sell side. Here's an example. Okay. If you want to make a scripted show, it's a really long fucking process, right? Okay. You, yeah. you, you come up with an idea. You probably write it. That takes God knows how long. Then you've got to uh, find a producer, right, mm-hmm. to, to help you, which can take months. And then you've got to make deals to get those in place. Then you've got to go pitch it to have someone deficit finance. Unless you're financing it yourself, the chances are if you're financing it yourself, you're not going to find distribution or you're going to struggle. And that's layers upon layers of just time. It literally yeah. can take five years. Jeez. Whereas if you and I had this incredible idea for some cool alternative unscripted show, mm-hmm. tomorrow I could pitch it to someone and sell it and we could probably get it on the air in three months. So... That is in so fun. I remember years ago, I've done a bunch of different stuff with Tom Green, but I, I helped him produce uh, the nightly show that he had. And I remember okay. he and I would sit in the writer's room and come up with an idea. We would go shoot it, and it would air on television that night to an audience in the room, right? <laughs> and that was so intensely gratifying mm-hmm. that I realized at that time, like, wow, while well, my friends are working on scripts that are never going to get made, I can make TV now and get paid really great money and and get it to air quickly. You know, the byproduct of that is that there's a lot of horrible bullshit made as well. Because it can. Right. Right. And there's always been an audience for it, and I think that's bringing it back to the future of television. I think what you're seeing right now is a lot of the kind of bullshit is being filtered out and then you're seeing the more targeted stuff like there's a trend on on netflix where they've been re-airing like like the house hunting shows and hgtv shows and food shows so i think there's always a market for that stuff but um, it's my hope that there'll be less and less um you know just kind of um uh cliche reality shows made as we move ahead I've all, I haven't always been been able to, but I've tried to do things that are different. The show that we're doing for Apple right now, a show called Planet of the Apps, is mm-hmm. uh, you know in the alternative space. That's really different. The show that I'm doing with Amazon right now, with Gail Ann Hurd and Glenn Morgan, is also was actually it's an alternative show, but it's a hybrid unlike any hybrid has ever ever been. Um, and I think. You know, me personally, I want to innovate and do different things and kind of reshape what television can be. And it, that was much harder to do five years ago. Absolutely. I mean, all of that sounds incredible. I mean, just with the technolo- technological advancements and the ability to just create right away. Now, with your company that you're involved in, with Propagate, you get pitched, I'm sure, a million things. Because of that, can you give the, the audience... What makes a good pitch from somebody who hears it all the time? Yeah, I mean, I think at the heart of a great pitch is a great idea, first and foremost. Uh, You need a great idea, something that's different. A common pitfall I see is people bringing forth derivative ideas. You know, it's like 
Um, have you seen The Hangover? Well, how about The Hangover? But it's, you know, in um, Hawaii. It's right. Like, and we're going to call it, you know, whatever. <laughs> hungover. Right. Like, I'm oversimplifying what being derivative means. Of course. But that's a really common thing that I see. Um, and there are some companies that specialize in producing derivative ideas. We don't do that. We right. really try to focus on things that are unique and different. We're a creative first-led company. Um, and then, you know, as far as a good pitch goes, you know, a great idea, somebody who's got passion and enthusiasm behind it goes a long way. I think, you know, what is the unifying principle to your idea? Generally, most most television shows, whether it's, um, you know, Entourage or or uh, Lost or Dexter, mm-hmm. they're set in a different subculture, right? Sure. And then there's a unifying principle that, that brings those cast of characters and the plot together in an unexpected way. So, you know, with every good pitch, that's what you look for. You want to say, think of something and what is that unexpected twist that makes your idea feel fresh and new and different you know, recently there's been a trend of using nostalgia in unexpected ways. If uh, did you see Stranger Things? Of course, I watched Stranger like, Things. Fucking amazing! What kind right? of silly question uh, is that? Totally right? right. The Duffer Brothers, those guys. I called them as soon as I saw the first. Well, I called their agent, mm-hmm. um, and you know, he picked up my call thankfully, right. and I was like, dude, I want to work with the fucking Duffer Brothers. Seriously, you know? he was like, you and everybody yeah, else. I was gonna say. You know. Uh, but he was really cool about it, and I'm grateful that those guys, you know, did eventually get that idea across and mm-hmm. are finding success. I'm grateful that just our industry finally recognized them because more and more new talent will hopefully continue to be expected. But, you know, I thought those guys used nostalgia in a very effective way. Absolutely. You know, you watch that. The kids feel like they're in the 1980s. The stuff that they use, mm-hmm. at the same time, there was something timeless about it. You know, Wes Anderson, to me, has used that technique before in a lot of his films. I remember the first time I saw Royal Tenenbaums, there was a scene where there was like a tuba player in this cool vintage car. And I remember saying to my friend at the time, like, what year is this movie set in? Like, really, it didn't fucking matter. It Mm could have been 2008 or it could have been 1971. Totally, right? And Mm -hmm. like a lot of great films that that I like notice have that. They take you to a time. They take you to a place. You can almost like smell it when you're watching it. So when a pitch comes in like that, like that's a ride I want to get on. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, if you've got the rights to some kind of underlying IP, you know, that is is a formula that's historically been very effective. You know, you think about big, huge television shows and movies that are out right now. The Walking Dead. Well, obviously, that was born somewhere else and then was Mm -hmm. inverted. The thing I'm doing for Amazon right now, Lore. The original was based off a podcast um, called Lore, which is still going on, All started right. by a guy named Aaron Mankey, who is amazing. Uh, you know, Aaron is a guy I reached out to right after the podcast started coming out. And I reached out just as a fan saying, like, dude, I love what you're doing. Awesome. Kind of built a relationship with this guy. And um, it's been so fun to kind of watch him have more and more success. And obviously we created a TV show together and we've sold that to Amazon and are making that for Amazon. And Galen Hurd is a part of that. And Glenn Morgan from the X-Files is a part of that. Um, And then Aaron um, just signed a big book deal. Um, So, you know, that is... And that just took... You hearing it at some point. Exactly. And reaching out to him and just being like, hey, 
I like this thing. Exactly. How can we work together? And that's, I think, the power of, of where we are with, with content right now. And Aaron, I think, is a guy who has used, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's smart. And mm-hmm. he's used his relationships effectively. Uh, you know, it's like people talk about technology changing the way we date, right, with things like right. Tinder. Right. But it also changes the way that we communicate and the way that business can be done, mm-hmm. the way that mo- television shows and movies can be made the way that creators can connect in massachusetts with aaron with a guy like me who's in la who um you know might not ever go and watch aaron do it there in his home in massachusetts but i brought him out to la and we sold the tv show so podcast to me um especially yours john uh-huh uh, podcast <laughs> to me are like one of the coolest ways to create ip right now uh I, you know, being a producer, you wear a lot of hats. And for a lot of the things we do, I am involved in the writing. Um, I've always been hired to create ideas. However, I'm not a screenwriter, right? And if I was a screenwriter, if I was trying to start out, I would start a podcast. I would start Mm -hmm. a podcast around my idea, create characters, create a mood. Because if if it works, it can work really well. Yeah. So I have a pitch. There's this podcast. Let's hear it. Let's go. Podcaster. We will call him John. John. Got you know, it. Okay, we're on the same page. Yes, uh, yes. He travels around to film festivals. Yes. Wow. You know, and it could just document. It his sounds life. really fucking expensive. I mean, no, we could do this <laughs> cheaply, super cheap. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that that is awesome. Yeah. That again, a small idea, and that is why I got into podcasting. Also, is like, it's like I have great conversations with my friends. I have great conversations with other people. Why not put this out there? In a format that is unregulated in that you can have a podcast about anything. Yeah. There are podcasts about podcasts. Right. So I just I think the medium is ripe for it. I think I think people are ready for that type of content where it is just people being independent. Being like, All right, this is my thing. You can listen to it, you cannot, you can watch it, you cannot, but I'm still going to put it out there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I run a lot and that's actually how I discovered lore. I mean, I love horror, but mm-hmm. I run a lot. When you're running 15 miles, you got to fucking listen to something. Um, and so uh, lore was was in my queue super early on. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I still discover new podcasts all the time. You discovered a new one today. Exactly. exactly. Uh, and, well, as long as you were running, hopefully it was not at night in the woods because lore is a yeah, creepy it's podcast. Haunting. Yes. You know, a show I helped launch... Uh, Face Off is a special effects show. I love Face Off. And my first job in Hollywood was working for Rick Baker. Um, oh, you know, wow. Rick Baker, who's got seven Academy Awards for special uh, effects yeah. makeup. And it's weird because, like, I, in a doctor's office, especially queasy, I can't handle blood. But if it's in a movie or it's special effects, it doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I hear lore, I love the storytelling, but I, it doesn't make me scared. Interesting. I am the same way with needles. Mm. I can watch a zombie movie or a slasher movie. Someone gets cut in half. No problem. Somebody brings out a hypodermic needle to give someone like a tetanus shot and I turn away. Yeah. That type yeah. of cognitive Too dissonance. Much. Yeah. Too it's much. just weird. Yeah. But, well, last question. Of the million and one projects that you are involved in right now, what is the thing that you're most excited about? What is the big project that you want people to go check out? Definitely lore. Lore. It's lore. a special okay. show. It's it's so... Man, it's been a hell of a ride with Aaron and getting mm-hmm. people 
um, you know, I, I can't talk too much directly about the creative, but I will say it's been just so invigorating. Uh, when we sold the show to Amazon, there was a big bidding war with Netflix. Wow. And, um, I have a lot of friends at Netflix who I love. And, you know, ultimately we, we decided to, to, to work with Amazon. Um, and the community, the filmmaking community, the talent community, there's a lot of incredible stars who are going to be in it. The way that we're interweaving it and telling factual stories, you know, I don't think it's ever been done. So I think it's good for horror enthusiasts awesome. who have seen it all. This is going to be really fucking scary. And it's all true, real stories that we're trying to tell in a way that you can't tell the real from the fake because it's all real. Glenn Morgan, you know, is a punk rock dude who really, you know, was one of the, the mini engines of X-Files. Mm -hmm. He really has an understanding of how to scare audiences in a real masterful way mm -hmm. um, that's been in, uh, it's so fun to learn from him. Um, and then Gail Ann Hurd has been a, an idol of mine for a lot of my life. You know, this is the awesome. woman who helped launch Terminator, Aliens, um, The Walking Dead. You know, those Dead, small movies like, from our childhood. Come on, this lady you know? is a genius, you mm -hmm. know, and now... You know, now, um, you know, we're on phone calls together several times a week. And, you know, she asked me what I think about feedback. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. <laughs> right. But um, I how think do you stay objective in something like that when you have somebody who you have looked up to for so long being like, what yeah. do you think about this? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Sometimes I remember one of the first calls uh, where she was really kind of digging in and, you know, like the best producers i know and the best writers i know they're like you don't agree with them on everything and it's fun having those constructive conversations but i think i love genre i love horror movies i love scary movies mm -hmm. and i it's my hope that the horror community gives it a shot because i think it's really it's going to be really awesome fantastic and that will be on amazon prime yeah excellent and when can people expect that yeah definitely the fourth quarter of of this year Excellent. Soon. Yeah. Very Fantastic. soon. And uh, where can people find the most updated information for you? Uh, is it Twitter? Is it your website? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. It's at Brett Patrick, B-R-E-T-T-P-A-T-R-I-C-K. Um, is, you know, if you ever want to get a hold of me, I'm not that hard to find. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I know you have a crazy schedule, especially this weekend, and you have, you know, shows and stuff to do. So uh, thank you. And I will definitely be following up on lore. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. We are back in my makeshift studio. You uh, know, it's a really amazing studio right thank now. You. Yeah. Uh, I like the bright the, lights. The bright lights. The, the red plastic carpet. walls. Right. There is a red carpet, in yep. fact. The, the plush cream-colored uh, sofa. The one that is, like, waterproof, rainproof, snowproof. Right. Yeah, basically. Red wine-proof, as yeah, I am sure. You know, actually, that is very smart, because I am sure that there will be wine spilled. Yeah, that will get tested this weekend. This weekend, Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, for those of you wondering... Who this other voice is on the podcast? <laughs> who am I'm I? I'm welcoming to the studio Trip Hope. Yeah. Who, hey, thanks, Sean. Yeah, no problem. And you are showing League of Steam. Right. League of Steam. So 
Steam, first of all, is an acronym. It is. And uh, so League of Steam, it's, it, it is a steampunk web series. Mm-hmm. But the League of Steam, Steam stands for Supernatural and Troublesome Ectoplasmic Apparition Management. I am so glad you did that because I, I was yeah. waiting for you to be like, hey, John, what is that? No, I was, I was, <laughs> of all my notes that I wrote down during right. the screening, that was not one of them. And that is totally cool. No, we don't expect people to know that. But uh, in a nutshell, of course, that just means that we're steampunk ghostbusters and monster mm-hmm. hunters. Yeah. So this series, so what episode did we were we able to watch? Because I know that some of these this weekend, we will see episode one and then episode five or yeah, ten. Yeah, it's really interesting that they're kind of... Uh, all mixed up so you get an interesting you know jump in timeline mm-hmm. but um what this one actually was it, it was our season three finale so it is oh, the wow. last episode that we have released so far mm-hmm. and um it was a musical uh which automatically <laughs> anybody who listened to the to this podcast you should know huge musical fan right here nice so as soon as it started, first of all, it started with like a Morgan Freeman style narration. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Unless you were you were to tell me right now, was it Morgan Freeman? Uh, y- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. You just called you know, him up. We just you know? called him up. Now, an interesting thing, I have seen Morgan Freeman before. Okay. And, but no, I don't think I could approach him about being in our web series. Fair enough. So but, it started um, with that, and that already had me interested. Right, right. And then within the first two minutes, people are already... Not going into full song yet, but laying the tracks. I saw it coming Aww. a mile away, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm already going to love this." Oh, thanks so much. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it, we did have a guy that did a lot of voice impersonations, though, for us. Morgan mm-hmm. Freeman. Uh, I don't know if you caught in the middle. There was, you know, Sean Connery. I did and, hear uh, that. Patrick yep. Stewart. You mm-hmm. know that sort of thing. But uh, that was right before they were going into the entrance of hell, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, that's uh, Mikhail Pitor, and okay. uh, he is an amazing impressionist based yeah. in L.A. Shout out to him. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we we were kind of inspired. Uh, we love musicals in general. Mm-hmm. I do too. But uh, we were definitely inspired by things like uh, Dr. Harble's Sing Along, oh, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely uh, the Buffy musical episode mm-hmm. definitely inspired us uh, because, you know, as you know, part of our whole thing is that we're uh, hunting monsters. Mm-hmm. Same with Buffy. So and uh, and clearly this is an episode that uh, focuses on us going to have a sing-off duel with the devil which of course there is you know that is the big musical episode in buffy too yes yeah yeah, yeah. i find it fascinating that because yeah like you mentioned with buffy even right. these days like the flash and supergirl had a crossover episode that was a musical right so, like they're kind of bringing it back which yeah just give it to me make every show a musical you know it'd be fantastic and i mean you know clearly we just had la la land too mm-hmm. and uh i thought that was excellent too um uh, i have others that i <laughs> yeah. like more yeah. i'm more of a fan of like moulin rouge you okay. know as far as like movie musicals chicago go. chicago sure. love chicago absolutely. les mis even though les mis mm-hmm. is in my kind of top three of least favorite musicals right the movie version was pretty incredible. I thought it was really incredible, and just the standard that they set, and all the live singing though. Now that's that's yeah. hard for me to believe that they actually did that, but clearly, you know, clearly yeah. they went for it. Which pretty amazing. Granted, Russell Crowe might not have been as strong as other people. A little well, bit of shade there, but that is okay. Yeah, and and but I think that that you know, I mean, that's just the reality with movie making because 
you know, sometimes you want to go with a star name. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if if they don't 100 percent, you know, if they're not the most magnificent singer ever, but you trust their acting skill, then I think you're just kind of trusting that they're going to be able to act their way through the music. Now, I haven't seen Beauty and the Beast yet. I'm very interested in seeing that. It was tremendous. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Excellent. It just opened this past weekend. Right. Uh, I saw it at a press event a couple weeks before. Yeah. Incredible. Oh. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. it. So, but enough of those types of oh, musicals. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Back to the one off. that you actually were in and a part of. Yeah. So what made you want to do, other than being a fan of musicals, sounds like your whole life. You said it was <laughs> sure. when you were doing a Q&A after the screening. Right. That this was a kind of fan request? It was. Sense? So, yeah. Uh, so we have uh, three full seasons that we've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our third season Kickstarter, um, and... We are very fortunate. Uh, over the years, we've actually uh, got quite a good fan base. Mm-hmm. A lot of the steampunk community. Weird. Um, Who would have thought? I know. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. But, um, yeah, so uh, one of the things was uh, once we reached our final goal to cover our costs for season three, we mm-hmm. started putting out uh, stretch goals. And one of them was to build a giant rock monster, which we did. We had a rock monster episode okay. that's completely practical it's effects. Not a rock lobster, it was a rock monster. It was a rock okay. monster, absolutely. And um, and then also our final stretch goal was to do a musical. So we basically told our fans that if they could give us uh, five thousand dollars and a stretch goal, we mm-hmm. would do a musical. And uh, and we definitely delivered. You know. Uh, we were uh, a little overwhelmed, I think, you <laughs> right. know, by the, by uh, once we got the money, really realizing just how much work would go into it. Because mm-hmm. um, those are two kind of, if you're looking at a Venn diagram of mm-hmm. geek genres, the steampunk and the musical crowd, I guess I, you would not really think to jam those together, but it seems like they really wanted it to happen. Yeah, they really wanted it to happen. And, uh, you know, I... I haven't really thought about it that much, but I, I'm not really aware of any other steampunk musicals. I do uh, know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm in the steampunk community, so right. I, I kind of try to keep abreast of different things. So I do know that there was an opera company in uh, in the Midwest mm-hmm. that was uh, trying to put together a steampunk musical. And I think that, well, a steampunk opera. Mm-hmm. And I think that they mounted basically like a musical reading, kind of like, you know, a Interesting. reading. Interesting, yeah, yeah. The, but not a full-scale production. Um, so you are a pioneer, a trendsetter, <laughs> blazing path in the steampunk community. Yes! I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Of course, there are lots of great steampunk musicians out there, too. That Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Right. But that's a whole other conversation, too, right. though, because you have to kind of define then what is steampunk music, and a lot oh of different boy. people have <laughs> uh, different takes on it. Mm-hmm. But there's some talented musicians okay. out there, for sure. Speaking of music, yeah. and in this episode, were you a part of the music-making process? Did you write the songs? Did you help compose the songs? How did that process work out? Okay, so I I want to give credit here where it's due. Absolutely. Uh, so our our composer was uh, Kenny Wood. Okay. And um and our uh, lyricist was Kale McCann, mm-hmm. and they had both done some short films that were also musicals. Interesting. Um and um 
and so you know they came highly recommended I, I also knew them from... Do you know who Doug Jones is? Uh, uh, one of the most critically underappreciated actors really of all time. He is, yeah. When you look at everything, Pan's Labyrinth, Pan's Labyrinth Silver Surfer, yeah. Hellboy, this mm-hmm. man is incredible and similar to... this is a, First of all, this is one of my tangents. Oh, uh, no, this, that's this great. First, I love it. First yeah. exposure to one of these. I'm happy to talk about Doug Jones. He's amazing. It just... They need to make a category for people like Doug Jones. Right. People who just, people do not understand what work they put into it. Like, he is a classically trained mime. He went through all Mm -hmm. of that. His frame, he looks like Jack Skellington. Yeah, he does. And if they ever do a live action version. Right. Put him in there. But just the way that he moves his body is unlike anything else oh yeah so definitely. but yes i know a little bit about oh, Doug yeah, Jones. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah so so through doug uh mm-hmm. and and another of his friends adam hall we ended up connected with this uh composing hmm. lyricist team and uh yeah I've, anyway just to talk a little bit about doug for a moment because I, i'll gush yes. over him because he's an amazing i just guy. did so you I, go I, right I, ahead. yeah absolutely but uh if uh for independent filmmakers out there and mm-hmm. also web series creators if you have something amazing uh doug is one of those uh incredibly generous actors uh that's willing to consider almost any project and if if he falls in love with your project as long as he's not like overwhelmed with his hollywood schedule then he will probably jump in and do it Uh, that is incredible and uh he actually uh was a guest star you know on on our series during our second season um and uh he's amazing um mm-hmm. and i've worked on five different projects with him and uh he, he's an amazing guy who is exactly the kind of person you want on set because uh he puts everybody's interests kind of ahead of his mm. and he does silly things and i, I Doug, if you ever listen to this, please forgive me, but everybody knows this. But he'll do things like he'll come up to you and like just look you in the eyes, pat you on both your cheeks, and just make the biggest deal out of you ever. And just be like, John, John, it's so wonderful to see you. Oh, you're my precious. And he gives big hugs. And he just Amazing. makes you feel like you're the most special person ever. He does and then that while way. you are feeling that, you look over and you seem to do the same thing to six other people. No, and you're like, no, but wait a fun. minute. I mean, because <laughs> you're still like in the afterglow. Right. It's like, oh, my God. He just made me feel so good. That sounds incredible. Anyway, so that's Doug Jones. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Kenny and Kale, mm-hmm. um, we brought them in on the project about three months before we started shooting. And... Uh, you know, they, they, they have a p- very particular way that they work with each other. Uh, um, Kale usually comes up with the lyrics first. Okay. And But he will have a certain cadence and beat gotcha. and an idea in his mind. And uh, he shares that with the composer. And uh, they just really kind of hash it out together. And, um, yeah, so... They did that. They worked on that for about two months and then started revealing the music to us. But they also wanted to know all of our voice types. So we all had to sing like three different songs, Mm -hmm. you know, and send it to them digitally. So they knew what they were working with. And, and they quickly um, started deleting files. Right. And they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you need to overdub hey, this some one. Some of us are better singers than others. Right. And, and, and that's fine. That's just reality. 
And uh, yeah, so we uh, we ended up uh, recording the music ahead of time, mm-hmm. which is the way that most musical movies sure. operate. And uh, yeah, so we did that for uh, for about a week and a half, getting all the recordings done, and then did everything in rehearsals and just did hardcore rehearsals for about two and a half weeks. And the choreography was also right. spectacular. <laughs> okay, thanks. I'm glad you thought so. Uh, who, who did your choreography? <laughs> yeah, so uh, so she goes by Cassie. Okay. And uh, she works with a, um, a fun group uh, that puts on the biggest costuming event in Hollywood every year. Wow. It's called the Labyrinth of Jareth. And... Um, She's a performer with them, and she does mm-hmm. lots of different uh, choreography. And, um, yeah, so she came in and, you know... How many how many hoggles show up to the Labyrinth of Jareth every year? Oh, yeah. That would be, that would you be know, awesome. uh, a lot. Yeah. 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 Lots of goblins, right. you know. That was a deep cut Labyrinth uh, reference for any of our listeners who are confused right now. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. But what's fun, too, about that event is, you know, it just encourages people to create lavish costuming. So right. you have a lot of uh, professional Hollywood people that go there mm. dressed to impress. But then you have a lot of uh, amateurs that uh, are also skilled costumers that come and, and do amazing things there, too. And uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, I, I know we're talking about the musical, mm-hmm. but um, but that's actually one of the founding moments of the League of Steam. Okay. Uh, because about seven years ago, uh, a few of our members uh, were interested in uh, going to the event in like Rococo dresses and mm-hmm. and also Victor- you know Victorian yeah. era dresses. And uh, some of us were big fans of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And so we started thinking it was like, and the steampunk aesthetic was like really just on the on the verge of becoming popular about seven okay. years ago. I mean, it's been around for a very long right. amount of time, but uh, uh, there wasn't like a big online presence. And um, so we were toying around with the idea, and so we just thought, you know, what would it be like to go as steampunk Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. Not directly ripping off Ghostbusters. No, no, of course not. But, uh, you know, going as, like, monster hunters and stuff. So mm-hmm. so that's what we did. Uh, and uh, the ladies created just these huge uh, white lace ball gowns that had... Uh, lighting effects underneath and blacked mm. out faces, so they were very ethereal. And um, and three of us came up with you know kind of these big steampunky uh, ghost hunting packs that shoot out steam with CO two nice. and uh, had cool uh, like arc lighting effects. And we were just a big hit, you know. And we were the ones going around uh, chasing ghosts throughout the entire event. Fantastic. So, you know, everywhere we went, uh, now, we caused a big... Yeah. The What I know of the steampunk community... Sure. They really take pride in making their costumes themselves. So yes. the production design and costume design of your web series, when I was watching it, was incredible. How Thank many you people, so much. Of course, yeah, you deserve yeah. The, the credit. So how many people in the cast are also part of that community and did they have a part in making their own costumes yeah so that there are 10 of us in the league and everybody is artists and i would say 90 percent of all the costuming is made wow but we also uh we also truly believe in 
going thrift shopping and right. stuff like that because you know you go thrift shopping or you might go to like a closeout sale that mm-hmm. some studio is doing you know clearing out all their old costumes and you can find real gems oh for sure yeah yeah definitely so i mean i i was wearing uh uh, an, an awesome pair of, uh, you know, kind of Victorian era uh, trousers mm-hmm. uh, the other night. Uh, they're I don't know if you saw them. They're they're this wonderful night, green green plaid. Th- I know that there was a Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper. Okay, here last yeah, yeah. Night. No, I know, I know. And we, everybody was drinking so. <laughs> a lot. There, there was there was lots of whiskey tastings. Right. But uh, anyway, I I. I found an amazing pair of pants from gang gangs of new york that you know they wow. were uh, doing a clearance sale on. i was you know s- snagged those up but yeah as far as the league goes uh we really are known for our uh, production design for our costuming excellent for uh props and uh and we make them all um now you know we, we truly do have some professionals in the group too right. you know i mean uh, a lot of us are freelance people, although uh, two of the founding members of the league do work for Disney. Awesome. Um, uh, one's an Imagineer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Which, what kind of like that is one of the most amazing titles. Oh, yeah. Like, what do you do? I'm an Imagineer. I'm an Imagineer. Right. Like, what do you do? I imagine stuff. And then I ask people to create it. And it's, they do. It's amazing. Uh, and, you know, I can't say much about it, but I'm so jealous. But she's. Right. Uh, She's doing all the Star Wars expansion uh. stuff on all the Disney parks, <laughs> and uh, it's just... The envy is real. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you did in this episode that we saw mm-hmm. is one of my favorite things that I feel like gets underused in musicals, okay. which is there's a point in the musical, or in this episode, right, where the devil is telling them, like, to defeat me, you must sing, and suddenly everybody gets worried. Even though they've been singing for the past 10 minutes of the episode, so your main character was like, <laughs> guys, we sing all the time. <laughs> right. And they're like, but that's just in the bar, not realizing that like we have been watching them sing this whole time. Yeah. I love that in musicals <laughs> when you get that dose of reality of like, yeah. wait, people were just singing and dancing. Like, how do we all know how to do this choreography? Right. I, love that I know. That's that kind of whole, uh, I guess it's called suspension of disbelief yeah. or whatever it is. I, I love yeah. that moment. It's pretty silly. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the I feel like in that moment too, though, you know, the devil is really trying to weave a discord among right. everybody, creating an argument that mm-hmm. that's a group that doesn't usually argue against each other. And um, now, an interesting thing, and I'm curious, I'm kind of reversing things here mm-hmm. on you, but um, once Kenny and Kale wrote the devil song, mm-hmm. and once the devil was cast, his name's Carlos Larkin, and he's just an amazing performer, uh, once he had recorded his song, and we all heard it, we were like, Oh man, that song sounds like way better than our song. <laughs> and right. I mean, we're supposed to beat the devil, mm-hmm. you know? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, you know, we're we're kind of going along to uh, with the idea that maybe it's. Um, well, anyway, let me ask you though. Mm-hmm. Did you think that the devil song was better than the League of Steam song? Now this seems like a trick question. It is a trick question. <laughs> so, I, d- I don't mean to put you on uh, the no, spot. No, no. What I, I mean, <laughs> I liked the Devil song a lot. Right. I think the reason, 
or well, slight spoiler alert. I think the reason that the good guys might yeah. have won the battle, sure, is because of their choreography. Okay, to show the team dynamic, right? To show everybody coming together to defeat a common enemy. That yeah. was why they won. Okay, that that, that was kind of my feeling that too. That was perfect. I like that, that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that that was kind of my feeling too. That even mm-hmm. though the devil himself, I think overall was technically a better singer than most people right. in the league. I feel like it was the uh, the whole idea of the episode is that you've got a team coming together and kind of defeating evil by by being their awesome, cheesy, you know, mm-hmm. kind of 1980s, uh, you know, uh, For sure. theme song. What is interesting thing. is going back to Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, yeah. if you watch the behind-the-scenes footage, mm-hmm. The cast and crew had the same feeling with Neil Patrick Harris. So all of them got their <laughs> scripts, got the music. Right. They all went to the studio at the same time. Okay. And Nathan Fillion and Felicia Day are there, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to have fun, blah, blah. Right. Neil Patrick Harris gets in the booth. Of course he's going to blow everybody <laughs> away. Everybody just sits there like, <laughs> uh, should we be here? So, like, the behind-the-scenes <laughs> video of that, I will try and send it to you. Like, it Oh, my God, I need to see that. Incredible. That's fantastic. Because, yeah, he just gets in the booth kills it good and nathan Fillion and felicia there just like <laughs> really Th- this is what we have to go up against right no, so you are not alone yeah yeah, yeah. Like that. okay fair enough fair enough excellent so yeah. where can people watch this where can people find you yeah so uh you can check out league of steam it's really simple just league of steam.com okay or uh we are on youtube we have all three seasons all three. up nice. along with the musical episode uh, something that I didn't really get to share, uh, you know, it was very very short Q and A, is um, because we're very well known in the steampunk community, and right. we are in the heart of Hollywood, and we also go to uh, San Diego Comic Con every year. We actually mm. have a booth there, so wow. if, if anybody Fancy out schmancy. there, you know, is going to Comic Con, you can see us right there. Um, and we do have one of the more impressive booth displays as far I as like artistically, yeah. Um, but, uh, but through Comic-Con, uh, we've met some big bands and managers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So, uh, if any of you are familiar with Panic at the Disco out there, uh, we actually, uh, did production design, props, costuming, and pretty much all of us are in, uh, the Ballad of Mona Lisa, uh, music video and, I think that's got like 95 million views on YouTube. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and their fans uh, loved that steampunk aesthetic so much awesome. that we brought to the video that uh, we ended up uh, building their uh, set design for the their world tour that they did immediately after that video. So that was cool. That is impressive. And uh, we did a fun uh, music video for Justin Bieber. Okay. And uh, we also did one for um, a musician. Uh, based in Europe, named Savant, who does, like, Hmm. electronic music, but uh, probably one of the most impressive steampunk music videos out there. But if anybody wants to check it out, it's called Savant Kali 47. Okay. And uh, it was a link to that in the show notes. That would be great. And uh, it wasn't, like, originally made for MTV, but then we pitched it to MTV, and they were like, fuck, yeah, we want to show this. Right. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. We did that with Mike Diva and Savant. And um, but yeah, just check us out online at uh, League of Steam and on YouTube, and um, and we actually do some fun live shows too. So if you ever go to a steampunk convention, 
uh, look and see if we're performing. I might just have to now. That would be fun. <laughs> Excellent. And then your Twitter, if people have any direct questions for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, well, uh, so. If you it is connected to this. Yeah, yeah. So just uh, tweet at, at League of Steam. At League of Steam. Yeah. Perfect. There you go. Be happy to answer any questions. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the show and taking some time. Sweet. I know it is a crazy weekend. Yeah, it is a crazy weekend, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And incredibly well-organized. Yep. Cool. Well, thank you again. Thank you, John. Really appreciate it. All right. So it is now post-award ceremony at the 2017 Vancouver WebFest. In my amazing studio, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sitting with a bunch of people from one of the web series, one of the award-winning web mm. series called Sublets out of New York in the good old US of A. Woo. So how about we go around and introduce ourselves? Uh, my name is Dolan Bloom. I'm the co-creator, co-producer, and lead actor of Sublets. My, my name is Caitlin Morris, and I am the co-creator, co-producer, and lead actress <laughs> of right. Sublets, if actress is still a word that people use. It and is. my name is Sean Murphy. I was the writer for Sublets. Excellent. So Sublets, we got to see a couple episodes. And as with this festival, it is interesting for those of us who are watching eight different screening blocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, tell me which ones we saw out of which season and how many seasons do you guys have? So you saw um, episodes three and four from season one of Sublets. Okay. And we, right now we have eight episodes live online. Nice. Um, our entirety of season one exists in the world, and people should go watch it uh -huh. at yep. watchsublets.com. Perfect. <laughs> or on YouTube. Um, episodes three and four are the two episode, one of the only two episodes that have the same Sublets in them and okay. can kind of run together. So the idea behind the show is that Will and Tess, played by Caitlin and myself, are two roommates in a three-bedroom apartment, um, and they're stuck in this lease, and they lose their third roommate, and so every month they have to bring a new kind of crazy sublet in to fill the extra room to make rent and survive in New York. And uh, it was very much a story kind of born out of our life experience mm -hmm. uh, as actors living in New York, yep. uh, right. <laughs> dealing with some really weird people that we were living with. Uh -huh. um, that was sort of the genesis of the idea along with wanting to both be in every episode and then also be able to like feature all of our talented actor friends. Mm -hmm. How can we bring them into the series? Also, uh, it was very enticing. The idea of like a single location was super yeah. sexy. It was like, it was like, <laughs> how can we write a show about filming at home so yeah. we don't have to pay for any locations? Right, right, right. We'll find one um, place and put everything there. We were yeah. lucky enough to be find a budget enough to be able to actually have a location instead of using our actual apartment, but that was the original plan was to just use my crappy apartment in, <laughs> wow, in the So Heights. wait, whose apartment? It was a friend of yours, right? That it ended up being a friend of a friend uh, in a yes. four-bedroom apartment where three of the roommates were out of town. Wow. Serendipity is a wait, beautiful thing. there are four-bedroom apartments in New York? There wait, are. What? There, there are. are four and bedrooms. In Washington Especially Heights, they're, up, they're uptown, huge. there are huge apartments. What? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually, the one of the issues with the apartment was that just was that it was big. too big. We were yeah. like, this isn't crappy enough. <laughs> we were like, right. this this <laughs> isn't dingy nice. enough. Yeah. Um, but it, it worked out, actually, because you can really, you know, use camera tricks to really kind of make a space seem smaller. And it really mm -hmm. allowed us to do a little bit more in the actual apartment. Yeah, because yeah, it looked like a studio plus a den. Great. I mean, it looked like a one-bedroom. So That's the way you guys filmed it, you filmed it tight. <laughs> yeah. 
and it worked. I mean, that was one of the things that, especially when doing a situational comedy like this, where it relies on that random person entering the scene at somewhat inopportune times yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and showing it just in a tight space was awesome because it gives you that kind of claustrophobia mm-hmm. that any of us who have had to deal with roommates, yes. whether sure. it was crazy sublets in New York or otherwise, right? there are things that sometimes you do not want to hear go bump in the night. Absolutely. Or in oh, the afternoon. Or in <laughs> the mid-morning. or. <laughs> Yeah, uh, actually, those two uh, those two sublets, two sublets that were featured here at the Webfest, were based upon a couple that I was living with really? at the genesis of the show, and had gotten me in trouble for having sex on the floor of their bedroom. And I was like casually watching a movie, and my you know my uh, uh, not my super first the woman who lives below me came upstairs Neighbor? and was like the banging, the banging, and I was like I don't know what you're talking about. And then these wow. two people sheepishly come out of the room. And they're like, sorry, we were on the floor. And I was like, why? <laughs> right. Why? Where you did you come bed from? for a reason, you idiots. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a weird Excellent. story. <laughs> so if you want to pass the mic over. Hello. So with the writing process, mm-hmm. so since these two are dr- drawing on their real world experiences, yeah. how early into the process did you uh, get into it? Um, well, it's very kind of early. slightly hard to say, but pretty pretty early on in the whole whole time of the thing. Um, Dolan was the first person to reach out to me after the two of them had been having a lot of meetings about the project, mm-hmm. and they had um, an outline of like what they imagined the sublets would be, who the people would be, kind of a rough idea of what each episode would be. Uh, and then that's when they came to me uh, with the concept for the show, and I okay. started writing for it. And um, I would say from like the first time you thought about it, and then it was about a year, I would say, before I, I joined in, like from your first initial meeting, Our, right? Yeah, we had an, like, an initial idea that kind of sat dormant for a long time, mm-hmm. and then uh, sort of got picked up the summer of 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, actually, no, it wasn't quite that long. When I actually went back and looked at it, it was like February... 2014 until July of 2014 and then we really got moving and I had like written half of a pilot that was really kind of my terrible dialogue and like uh, (laughs) and you had just moved to New York so Sean was fresh to the city from graduating college just moved um, we all went to Otterbein uh, University in Ohio together. Everyone's heard of it. It's a huge college. <laughs> it is huge. smaller than my high school. It wow. is not Oberlin, which is what everyone yeah. thinks it is. Oh, okay. It I is like, not I Oberlin. I've heard of Oberlin now. Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> Small liberal arts college in central Ohio that we all graduated from. Uh, and I actually got to know the two of them, Dolan and Caitlin, through this project. Yeah. Really. Uh, and... Um, yeah, and then it became. It was amazing to see how it went from like one meeting once where Dolan got me too drunk, um, and, and I made him I say yes. Made me agree <laughs> to the project to um, how many nights we were working together until three in the morning, uh, yeah. writing this thing every single night. Um, and then that's when steam started to really pick up, and suddenly it felt like Sublets hasn't stopped since. Yeah. Well, and that was some of, one of my favorite parts about this process, the development mm-hmm. of this show, was that. The, th- uh, the, uh, the nights, the 3 a.m. nights where the three of us would be around a table all on a Google Doc together. And Dolan and I would be like arguing about like if a character would really say that and like what the motivation is for this moment. Mm-hmm. And like while we're arguing, Sean is writing a paragraph of notes, uh, like just jokes, just tons of jokes. 
And then we would turn back to the Google Doc and he'd be like, pick your favorite joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, he's like, he's a joke machine. It's incredible. Like, and we run the gamut from like the most offensive thing you could imagine to like something that Barney would say, you know, like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And especially during the beginning of it, it was so much trying to figure out what kind of jokes we wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Because once we say like, we would have a lot of arguments to be like, this is super funny, but this doesn't feel like a thing that they would say, or this is too uh, because offensive, of, yeah, it's too offensive, or because we mean. want it to be a very positive right. show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding that voice through that was always like a list of a document of twelve jokes, <laughs> and we would find the one that that worked the best, and then narrowing down what our voice. I was really, together. I really think it was the amount of time and thought that we put into each episode and each moment, and then we really had this sort of rule and a, a mantra that we would say like if you're going to bring an idea to the table you better be able to defend why you're like well not necessarily bring an idea but you better be able to defend your reason for that idea and right. through that debate we were really able to have really open discussions about like why when Sean and I have a disagreement is Sean's idea better than my idea and i was going to use the word trump but we don't use that word anymore in america right, so right. uh why would his idea trump mine or whatever why is it, it's a spade right why does his idea spade my idea mm-hmm. uh spade so we um yeah we had a really open uh writing process and, and revision process not writing process revision process i would say very open very free-flowing and it sounds like it was really collaborative effort that mm-hmm. made sense as i'm sure you guys have been a part of projects whether it was in college or during this sometimes those uh google docs or real world meetings when you get a lot of uh shall we say in the arts community there are opinionated people yeah uh and to put the ego to the side a little bit and be like okay your 12 jokes were great i came up with three can we see if we can work away into that well that's actually something our producer said like a week or so ago sam was we were trying to work something out on a Google Doc just mm-hmm. like a week or two ago. And he was like, I don't, I don't typically like Google Docs, but I also don't know anybody that works as well on it as you guys do. Nice. We are weirdly like our writing meetings. I think sometimes are weirdly silent while we all just were typing into the document. I like as if it was a conversation. <laughs> uh, we, we are in the same room, and, you know? <laughs> and for whatever technical thing, I think that does speak to what you're saying—the collaborative nature of it. Of we certainly all three of us have our strengths, but I don't think at the end of the day that it is any one particular person's voice. It is definitely the three of ours collective voice. And what the whole first season was finding was like, what is our combination group voice? Yeah. And it is somewhere lost. In that. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank you. <laughs> those are a lot of objects right in your face yeah, just now. Yeah, <laughs> Look for the deleted scene of <laughs> sublets. <laughs> Um, Excellent. So one last thing, and I definitely, I know that when you were up there earlier, yeah. uh, I think it was yesterday or today, when you talked about, again, just defending your writing and mm-hmm. everything, I think that is really important because it is one thing to have an idea. It is another thing to have an idea and be like, okay, the reason I want this is because it fits in the context of the show, my character, you know, so I really, I really liked what you said. And so I'm glad that you brought that up again. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think with web series, you can get... When you fundraise, you're really excited to meet a deadline. You, you want to get your content out there. And it seems like a race sometimes on the Internet to right. get your idea out there. But we you know, we wrote a whole season and then put all of the scripts that we wrote 
to the side and spent two months, really more than two months, rewriting the whole season wow. and really making sure that these scripts were tight. And I think that is one of the things that really kind of set us apart, I maybe, was just that we we were able to say, like, well, if you have a problem with any moment of our dialogue, you can talk to me about it, and I can tell you why we decided on that being what that character said at that moment in time. Or nice. Well, and it helps, too, that it, that it, it tried to be character-based, right? Uh-huh. It, it Like, so much of it felt like it had to be a result of this person in the three-dimensional version that we've created them. Like, would they say this? Is yeah. this something this person would say, or are we just saying funny things, you know? Because yeah. there's a difference. For sure, and I... What I when I watch this, one of the things that I thought of when the sublet that we saw at mm-hmm. the screening, when he first comes out of the room in his towel, how many times did you guys have to take that scene? Well, so actually that one was not the worst. The bathroom scene <laughs> oh my where he comes in and splashes water on oh himself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and this is a friend of ours from college from Otterbein. His name is Daniel Everidge, Daniel Everidge. He is one of the funniest people I've ever met. Genius. But <laughs> right. we legitimately almost did not make it through that scene because no, we kept We had to actually to edit around it in, in post-production because wow. there we were no take in the time. wide take where <laughs> that we could actually get through him <laughs> making us laugh. And our director's like, come on, guys. We have to get through this. And our, our days, we were shooting like... 12 or 14 pages a day, which is insane. Insane. And we were like, you know, we didn't know better. But (laughs) it was also like, we know we have to move on, but we we can't get through it. We can't get through it. And so they started trying, you know, luckily we had, I mean, the whole process from the moment we got Sean involved, because Sean's like one of the most incredible writers I've ever met, uh, up to like our DP, Patrick Gennady, or our sound guy, Eugene, everybody was just incredible and, and... and elevated the project. Yeah, um, and found ways to make. You know, our it work. our other co-producer uh, Sam Freshly, he wasn't mm-hmm. able to make it this weekend, but but bringing him on to this project changed the game. Yeah. I mean, he was awesome. re- really connected and was able to answer the questions that Caitlin and I, as as actors, would have never been able to answer. And yeah. so it was. It seemed like we asked the universe for a lot, and the universe provided when we <laughs> would just kind of raise our hands and be like, "We need to find the perfect this." Yes, and. It, they, and there people, they so would like appear in a cloud of dust. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that was what I was thinking about after winning the war was like, you know, we're uh, the three of us are here. We're up on stage. But, like, there are so many people whose hard work and dedication and and going beyond what we asked of them. Mm-hmm. For and this, certainly what we were paying them. Certainly what <laughs> right. we were paying them. And, you know, it really it means so much. And I yeah. think that. Luckily, we created something that we get to share with so many people. So, so many people will get to hopefully see it and laugh and experience and and love these characters that we came up with and that we were able to tell with the help of so many people that were involved with us. So, yeah, excellent. Well, before we before we wrap up, one last question for each of you, and we will go down the row. What did you learn about yourself during this process? Um, well, I learned that I I like doing a lot more than just acting. Um, okay. Because before this, I was just an actor. Mm-hmm. I never considered myself a director or um, a producer. And after this, uh, that has become part of what I want to do with my life. And so that was a huge thing that I learned. Um, I really enjoyed being on, on set or being in post and watching the work that was being done and having kind of been a person that brought all these wonderfully talented people together to collaborate amongst each other in such awesome. an effective way. 
like gets me teary-eyed thinking about like giving Aww. people the opportunity to like succeed. I love doing that. And so, uh, yeah, that was something I learned was that I love doing that and being able to give that to people to like be able to like find success with collaboration is like one of the greatest things I learned from this project. Excellent. Caitlin? I guess mine, which I have to give a lot of credit to these two for helping me learn, is mm -hmm. that is the idea that any idea is an okay idea in, in a group that is like a trusted group. Um, okay. Because I think I went into the process with a lot of, and he's really good. Dolan's really good at calling me out. He'll see like that I'm brewing over something and just be like, Caitlin, what are you thinking? Like say the words <laughs> because a lot of me is like, I, I self monitor, I self censor. Mm, and no. so yeah, he'll say the <laughs> dumbest thing ever, but until I feel like the idea is curated or that I have a smart thing to say, I'll, kind of keep a lid on it as um, opposed to just letting it yes, go and just and, getting it and out and truly the, and the fact that like with these two people that i can truly say the most idiotic thing imaginable <laughs> and it's just accepted that we're spitballing and it's if it's not a great idea it's going to go in the trash can and it's fine like that to me was just utterly liberating and it's actually changed the game for me and just how i deal with the world and how oh. i present and stuff yeah fantastic sean uh, so, yeah, for me, I think it, it has to be a little bit of that collaboration um, element because I've certainly had a lot of 3 a.m. nights riding and before this, and it was always by myself. Uh, they right. were always like, I have a project due, and it's going to be me doing it. Um, and then getting to spend that time with the two of um, you guys, Dolan and Caitlin, that was just a different level experience because... Um, both of them raise the bar in different ways. I, Dolan is one of the funniest, most imaginative human beings. <laughs> Caitlin also has that imagination, but is like the most logical storytelling beat human being that you can, <laughs> like, she can see three steps ahead of where the story is. So we'd be hacking away at the wrong part and Caitlin would bring us back and Dolan would have this imagination and fun to the whole thing. And that's what I think it means is like that it is all three of our voices. And so getting to work with them and see how beneficial collaboration can be in the writing process was a big part. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. And then we will just go around, tell your Twitter handle so people can get a oh, hold of, of you Twitter. if they have any further questions, if they just want to tell you how amazing Sublets as a series is. Go for it. Um, my name is Dolan Bloom. You can find me at Dolan Bloom on nice. Twitter. Only person with that name. <laughs> uh, Instagram, but I'm I'm stink at Instagram. Uh, and where else can you find me? Snapchat at Dolan Bloom. Um, okay. Yeah, those are things. That's it. You did you did it well. Uh, www.dolanbloom.com. <laughs> there you go. You're lucky that your name is. I no one has know. the name Dolan, and it really stinks because <laughs> yeah, I'm bad at names. So it's like, name. okay. <laughs> Thanks, John. John! John! <laughs> I got uh, your name. Uh, so, Caitlin Morris, I am at Saram CC, which is Morris CC backwards. Um, okay. S I R R O M C C. And that's my handle for everything. Um, you can also find all the Sublets content at Sublets Series on Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. I will just note that I have been following your Twitter for a while now, and that's the first time I've realized what exactly that is. <laughs> I'd be like, sure, Saram <laughs> Saramsa or whatever. Gotcha. It is. You sound <laughs> Egyptian. I, I yeah, now, I now welcome. understand. Um, you learned uh, something new today. Yeah, I learned something new. <laughs> uh, I, you can find me at Twitter at Sean Murphy five sixteen. It is typically a lot of just 
political retweets <laughs> and, and tweets to Staples. I tweet to Staples a lot. Okay. Uh, ask them questions. I find it funny. No one else does. It's my own personal vendetta right. to the world. Um, so, yeah, if you want to follow that, go there. Um, otherwise, you can find me at Instagram or pretty much everywhere else at the same Sean Murphy 516. Fantastic. And again, I've been talking to the award winning for best comedy of 2017 of Vancouver Web Series Sublets. Go check it out. Thank you guys again, guys. I know, you're still getting used to award winning. Yeah, yeah, we're still geeking out a little bit. Which, okay, and I just have to say, and I told you, Caitlin, after the awards ceremony, so first of all, the, the comedy had a bunch of people A ton in of it. people. A ton of people. And yeah. I turned to the people I was with, and I was like, sublets. So when they announced sublets, they were like, what? And I was like, told you, Call it. Oh my god! So well, well, we have to thank you for that because you put the good juju into the world. You know, <laughs> I, I have to say, like my mom called it. <laughs> nice. well, Jan had the right idea. I mean, she's biased, but like moms she was like, it. "You better think of something to say." I was like, "We're gonna wing it, mom," <laughs> and we did. <laughs> we did, and it was it was flawless. Oh was flawless. god! <laughs> yeah. Too kind. Too kind. So excellent. All right, thank you, Dolan. Thank, thank you, Caitlin. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, John. <laughs> Well, well, well. Look who made his way back into my studio. Oh, hello there. Uh, after much uh, effort to make it all the way back <laughs> to the corner of the room. I got attacked. You did. Well, you are so popular. Oh, uh, thank you. And you happen to have a big shiny award that before we get to that, I will introduce you. Oh, thank you. So I'm sitting with Darren Barrowman from the film or from the web series Telegraph Cove. Telegraph Cove. Now, the award that you are holding. Yes. You and I were talking this weekend. One of us never had his faith shaken that you would win an award this weekend. That was you. And that was me. That was you, big time. So I would say that I hate to say I told you so. Well, in this case, I'll take it. You know, you gotta, I told you so. Because you got to take your licks. Telegraph Cove was great. Thanks, man. So we got to see episode three of the three-part series, correct? That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to tell people about Telegraph Cove, in general, hit it. Okay, well, I don't want to, you know, if you were here to see it, I don't. Mm -hmm. you would know how it ends, so I don't want to give any spoilers away Absolutely. if you haven't seen it, but um, because it's all there and you can watch all of it, and it doesn't take that long. It's only about 26 minutes long for all three episodes, mm -hmm. but, um, okay, logline, teaser, synopsis. Yes. Uh, Telegraph Cove is a coastal uh, mystery web series. Um, it's also been called a horror thriller. Um, okay. I'm not sure what category it fits into. We won the award in Seattle for Best Horror Thriller. I think it's closer to okay. Thriller. And here we were nominated for Mystery. So it's somewhere in that sort of spooky genre. <laughs> I could um, definitely see it as, as Mystery, for right. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too, I think. Um, it's probably not a comedy. Um... I don't a think so. Bit, a little bit intense, maybe, for, for a comedy? Yeah, maybe at the Poughkeepsie Web Fest, they might call it a comedy. But here in Vancouver, and so yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, a mystery. Um, it's uh, it's a, 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 a series about a woman who, with her husband, mm -hmm. they own a charter boat company on the north end of Vancouver Island. The series is inspired by stories of the graveyard of the Pacific, which is mm -hmm. a sort of coastal region that runs from British Columbia all the way down to the the state of Oregon and the and the coastline okay. there where a lot of uh, boats uh, have gone missing or it's very treacherous waters at times mm. and sometimes there's mysteries surrounding the disappearance of boats would you say it is kind of the 
West Coast equivalent of the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle, absolutely. And there are some great, great stories that uh, inspired this web series. And so, you know, her husband, Dave, ends up taking one last charter, Mm -hmm. which ends up uh, not going so well when the boat goes missing completely unexpectedly. And so the web series is really about Anna's journey to find out what happened to the boat. Um, mm-hmm. And and like I say, I don't want to give the end away. Of but course not. There's a great big earthquake and everyone dies, just like in Rogue One. Right there, no. you go. Done. Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh, I spoiled Rogue <laughs> right. One. Oh boy. But um, but one yeah. Of, one of the things. Speaking of inspiration, when I was watching this, it reminded me. I'm not sure if you are an X Files fan. Oh, big time. I worked on the X Files here in Vancouver. Okay. When, See, when they now you just it. had to rub it in. I'm sorry. Unnecessary. No, I'm a huge fan of the X Files and. In fact, my wife, who wrote the soundtrack, uh-huh. she's the composer of the score of of, uh, of Telegraph Cove. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of whistling um, theme that she created for the uh, for the credit sequence at the end of each episode, and it's okay. very it's very X Files, and ah. I loved it. I just loved it. I'm a big X Files fan. So for what sure. it reminded me of is there was an episode, I want to say like it was a little bit later, maybe episode like. Or season four. Right. Where the boat that kind of went missing in time. Do you remember that episode? Yes. Great episode. So that was immediately what this reminded me of. Fantastic. Just with the themes, the visuals. Really, really slick. So congratulations. Thank you. With that. Thank you. And you were nominated in how many? Seven categories? There were seven. uh, We we were nominated for seven. And then, you know what was interesting is they they didn't really announce these other nominations, but... There was also the the Best of BC award, and there was only seven web series from BC. Right. And then the Best of Canada. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I guess we're Canadian. We're British Columbian. Right. And while we didn't win those awards, it's um, it was great to be nominated and recognized for all of them. So for sure. really amazing. Excellent. Now, Telegraph Cove, in general, being that I have no idea ah. where that was, you and I talked a little bit about the did. history of Telegraph Cove, because here I am just watching this you know, web series, and I'm like, this place sounds great. This is probably fictional, or who knows what could be. Uh, no, it turns out, A, it is real, and real B, place. you grew up there. I did, yes. So Telegraph Cove is on the northern end of Vancouver Island, like right all the way up at the very northern tip. Mm-hmm. And it's a village that's basically a tourist town, uh-huh. so that in the summertime, it's really busy. You can go whale watching. My family used uh, the boat that we have in our series mm-hmm. as the first whale watching boat on the coast of British Columbia back wow. in 1980. And... Um, uh, there's there's whale watching, there's bear guiding tours, you mm-hmm. can go kayaking and camping and fishing, and it's a real, you know, vacation destination for, for coastal British Columbia, but only in the summertime, and after the end <laughs> of September, the weather starts to turn, mm-hmm. uh, it is not a nice place to be. It, it ends up getting really nasty and quite mm-hmm. miserable out on the water. That's when we start getting that coastal rain that Ugh. you know in down in Washington State right. as well. Yeah, yeah. It's miserable a lot of the time. And so Telegraph Cove pretty much completely closes down, and it feels a lot like something out of a Stephen King novel. I was going to say, yeah. uh, there's the film Insomnia. Yes. Where even though Grand took place in Alaska where the sun did not set. And like a lot of it was, <laughs> a lot of Insomnia was filmed on Vancouver Island as well. There we go. So it's a very similar kind of climate and feeling, and that's, I love that movie as well. Yeah, because when you were growing up there, the population was... 12. 12 people. Not, not 1,200. Not 1,200. Not 12,000. Surely not 12,000. Definitely not. 12. 12 people 
all year <laughs> round residence. And that was like my family of four. Right. Uh, my uh, uh, my my parents' business partners in the whale watching company, mm-hmm. a family of five, and then one or two other sort of couples and a single that sort of caretook the place in mm-hmm. the wintertime. And it is dead. They closed down all the stores. There's nothing going on. That is it's, crazy. It's Deadsville. And so for me growing up, you know, we had to, the school bus would come down to Telegraph Cove and mm-hmm. we would have to go on a half hour bus ride to the nearest town of, you know, population 3000, which Whoa. is a little more normal. Big but city living. <laughs> yeah, it was the big smoke for sure. Right. In fact, I think the movie theater there now is just getting the sound of music. That's how <laughs> remote we are, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah. But but now, I mean, in that in the time since I lived there, which, you know, we're talking a good 15 years ago at least. Right. The population year round of Telegraph Cove is probably between four and six. And that's wow. my parents and two other couples. And that's pretty much it. So it was really so like, amazing. Do, is there a mayor? Is there a council? No, this is, is the <laughs> thing. It's all private land. And this was what was oh, amazing. Okay. The whole town is owned by essentially one person as a resort. Okay. Right. Now, uh, the fellow that owns the cove, his name is Gordy Graham, mm-hmm. and he's owned the cove for my entire life. Very Canadian name, Gordy very, Graham. Very Canadian. <laughs> he's a logger okay. uh, by trade, and he's you know a retired logger now, but now he owns the cove, and he's a fisherman, and he does all the maintenance on Telegraph Cove himself with a small crew of guys wow. that do a lot of fixing up and whatnot. But they're really used to me running around on the boardwalk in Telegraph Cove with a video camera. I've been doing this since I was 10 years old. I was going to ask about that because growing up in a town that small. I think we should call it a village, if that. Maybe a hamlet even. (laughs) A township? We get the idea, yeah. Uh, It kind of gives you that perspective where it forces you to be imaginative because you need to recognize your surroundings and growing up there when that was your life. Yeah. How much do you think that helped you become the creator that you are now? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, like I say, I, I we had a lot of documentary crews, uh, film crews. Okay. They filmed some of, um, off the back of our boat, The Geekamy, which is in the web series. Mm-hmm. Um, they filmed uh, episodes of the BBC's Blue Planet. All of wow. the wild whale sequences from Free Willy, the original Free Willy uh-huh. movie, were yep. filmed off the back of our boat. And so that boat itself is kind of a piece of coastal history, yeah. not just for being in Telegraph Cove and part of its history, but also sort of like looking at the, the, the general whale-watching community and exploration of orcas and the study of killer whales and the natural... Um, the wildlife around the northern end of Vancouver Island. A lot of, you know, Japanese film crews came. I was wow. on Nickelodeon one time for their Wild Side Kids Show. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sesame Street came into Telegraph Cove one time and filmed a little creature feature about Amazing. Seymour the Seal that lived there with us. And so that really, for me, sparked a huge... Which boosted Seymour was brought the population to 13. Uh, yeah, exactly. So. Seymour was our 13th warrior. Uh, right. You remember that movie, The 13th Warrior? I do. Antonio Not Banderas. Not filmed all that far away from, from Telegraph Cove really? either. And I ended up uh, That was on supposed the to take place in like, where is it, Finland or something? I, I can't remember where it took place, but Antonio Banderas was in it and he was married, he is married to Melanie, Melanie Griffith. Griffith. Mm-hmm. She came out whale watching with us on the Geekamy that's wow. in our web series when he was filming that. And she brought along uh, their family, including mm-hmm. um, Dakota Johnson, who's in Fifty Shades of Grey now. So she's all what? grown up. And I remember meeting her when she was like a preteen. And we took her out whale watching with Melanie Griffith on our boat. That is amazing. And so that kind of stuff really sparked an interest in me mm-hmm. for the film world. 
Right. And me with my video camera, and I just I I fell in love there, mm-hmm. and then it kind of took me in all kinds of different directions, and right. And here we are kind of coming. I'm trying to come full circle and go back home and film stuff there as much as I can now. Well, because now you basically own the town. You can just walk <laughs> in. <laughs> well, this is the great thing about one person owning the whole town. I can give him one location release, and nice. he'll allow me to shoot <laughs> absolutely everywhere. And he wow. wasn't even there, uh, the, the owner of the cove, Gordy. Right. He wasn't there when we filmed it. So when it started popping up on the Internet, he started saying, like, what's this Telegraph Cove thing all about? And we said, <laughs> oh, well, you remember, you know, Darren's doing that another crazy thing. Again, mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, right, oh, that's that Darren." Right. Yeah, exactly, right. absolutely. And so, awesome. So that's been really cool, and I'm ho- I'm looking forward to either going back to Telegraph Cove for either a second season, or I've got a handful of other ideas, whether it's another web series or a feature film that I want to shoot there on the north end of Vancouver Island. Because for me, that's awesome. home, and it's it's a huge part of who I am and where I come from, and I want to show the world. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you, Darren, for taking the time to sit down. Thanks, John. Now, where can people find the series? Where can people find you to get all the updates? Well, uh, my website is Mm -hmm. borrowtime.ca, and I'm on Twitter at dborrowtime. Uh, we've got Facebook. It's uh, Facebook slash Borotime Films. Okay. The web series, you can link to it through our website, Borotime. Okay. Uh, or you can go on to Vimeo. We're hosting it there at gotcha. the moment. Um, the one thing that's been crazy and amazing about the Vancouver Web Fest mm-hmm. is all of the other distributors that are here and really interested in you know, helping to propel web series into a bigger market. And so I've had some great conversations with people while I've been here, and I hope to expand Telegraph Cove beyond our Vimeo page. But for the moment, at the moment right now, uh, it's uh, vimeo.com slash, I think it's channels slash Telegraph Cove. Gotcha. Or you can get, um, like, Vimeo has a really good search function. Yeah, exactly. Be able to find Telegraph, it there. Telegraph Cove, Telegraph the Cove. series, you know, there's three episodes, um, and it's all right there. We've done a lot of behind-the-scenes videos. and Awesome. Yeah, it's been great. Fantastic. So I've been sitting with Darren Barman. Uh, go check out his stuff. I will put links in all the show notes below. And enjoy the awards, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate this. Cool. Next in the studio, and I saved the best for last <laughs> because they cleaned up at the award ceremony here at the 2017 Vancouver Web Series or Web Fest, Web Series Festival. Uh, I have with me Kyrie Noonan Jackson from Wizards of Oz. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, John. welcome. Yeah. So you guys took home, and by take home, I mean you have to find a way to get it <laughs> from yes. Vancouver I'm to Melbourne. I'm bribing Yes. Uh, four awards yeah more than anybody that is incredible including the best overall so you were involved in this production from the beginning or was it something that you kind of came on to a little bit later in the series um so i've actually worked with uh the the guys and gals from late night films for over five years now like but not you know Consistently, but on projects here and there, um, right. they've often uh, enlisted me uh, <laughs> for uh, some awesome projects. Um, so yeah, they uh, they kind of I was working on a, a little short film with them um, uh, that there was like a little guerrilla project that we just popped up and and uh, smashed out in a couple of days. And and uh, one of the one of the, my friends Nick just pulled me aside and he was like, so. Um, I was wondering uh, what what's your your like with your like sort of more action uh, kind of skills, mm-hmm. and I was like, what are you, 
what are you doing? Like, have you guys right. got something on the cards? Like, is there something coming up? He's like, maybe. We're, uh, yeah, we're got something on the cards, something we're creating, um, something really exciting happening. And, um, yeah, we just really want to use all the actors and crew and everyone who's worked with us over all the years mm-hmm. to, um, to, to uh, make something awesome. Um, so, I guess from the beginning in that sense, I play a crazy elven chick fiance of uh of uh jack he rescinds his uh, engagement to me because i go kind of kate blanchett on his ass and um <laughs> right uh, yeah <laughs> so for those people who have not seen wizards of Oz, which mm-hmm. first of all go see it it is incredible mm-hmm. can you kind of set the stage and tell people a little bit about what wizards of oz is yeah so i guess essentially i think the heart of it yes is a comedy um, but these guys are smart. Um, they're mm-hmm. very, well, I wouldn't even say uh, sneakily. It's pretty blatantly a, a bit of a political uh, stab at uh, the asylum seekers situation in Australia at the moment. And, mm-hmm. um, and with those coming to Australia seeking asylum. Um, yeah, so, so the the series is about uh, the lead uh, who is a wizard mm-hmm. uh, played by Mr. Michael Shanks uh, <laughs> he just decides screw this I'm so over living in the wizard realm <laughs> right. I'm sick of people dying I'm sick of being you know marrying marrying unicorns and stuff like that sick and of dragons like, tearing yeah, apart castles tearing dra- dragons tearing apart castles um, mm-hmm. basically living a really unstable lifestyle um, right. war torn sort of country you mm-hmm. could say and uh, uh, you he could decides, say considering it yeah, opens yeah. with a giant battle and yeah. people are on fire yeah, yeah a little bit war torn yeah. yes yes um, and he says screw this I'm moving to Footscray which is a, a really great diverse suburb of Melbourne um, as a little bit of a cultural note um, and it is actually uh, a suburb full of uh, yeah lots of immigrants to Melbourne recently mm-hmm. re- recently immigrated or you know um families who have lived in in Australia for many generations um, and yeah he decides to move there from the wizard realm and it's basically him facing the Australian public who uh, uh, I guess reject him and and mm-hmm. the wizard culture um, and they uh, generalize the Australian public are generalizing that all wizards and uh, magic folk are the same and they're all right. violent creatures and whatnot so uh, yeah, it's just about Jack's battle with the uh, <laughs> with the the Australian uh, public, and uh, yeah, it's just really funny, a little bit crass. Um, mm-hmm. These guys are <laughs> hilarious to work with. Um, right. There's uh, there's some very Australian uh, humour in there, so I, mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes if it translates, <laughs> right, <laughs> which right. apparently it does, because it um, does. everyone's welcomed us so well this evening. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Now, when you were in the middle of this and filming it, did you have any idea what the visuals would end up looking like, considering that was another war that you guys picked oh, up? Oh, man, I was <laughs> blown away when I saw it. Like, the mm-hmm. first time I saw it, just the trailer for it, I was like, what? <laughs> These guys? That's why, like, we haven't seen any of them for weeks, because they've been locked, locked in their uh, studios, just, like, hustling hard with their amazing editing mm-hmm. uh, skills and uh, visual effects that they just, like this amazing product of sort of backyard, uh, you know, visual effects skills. They're they're amazing. Um, I was very blown away. Because I always wonder that, especially with something that has 
so many visual effects like this does throughout the entire series. Mm -hmm. The people who are working on it, who are just running around in costume and makeup. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you, you finally see the trailer. And it just, yeah, like you said, it just kind of takes you back. And you're like, oh, that was that thing I worked on a while ago. Mm -hmm. And this is what it what the final product looks like. Yeah, and look, everyone that worked on it is 100% professional. Everyone, it's the best part of, of filmmaking and, um, yeah, just, just exactly what I love about being part of this industry um, is these sorts of projects. Like, everyone is so passionate and everyone's 100% professional and, you know, bleeds it. Um, mm -hmm. And we had some, some, I mean, everyone was amazing on it, but, like, for example, my makeup artist, she she worked on uh, The Hobbit and everything like a oh, couple wow. of years before and my ears as an elf were from The Hobbit and no uh, way. yeah so like did you get to keep them no oh. I wish I could have they're, right. they're amazing <laughs> they actually feel like real skin it's kind of creepy uh, <laughs> okay um, but yeah so yeah no it's uh, it, it's really great to be a part of it yeah excellent so where can people find where can people find you on on Twitter if they can follow you? Because now you have recently relocated mm -hmm. to this beautiful city of Vancouver mm -hmm. from Melbourne. Yes. So are you working on some projects right now? Um, at the moment, I'm just like solidly auditioning um, and really setting my roots down in Vancouver. I've been here about okay. eight or nine months. Um, yeah, so just uh, getting the room and uh, oh, sorry, that's actor lingo. So getting in the casting room as much right. as uh, possible. Um, I've worked on a short film recently, um, which I'm looking forward to seeing the, the end product product of. Again, just really lovely to be part of an independent sort of project that everyone's just just contributing their art and creating something wonderful. Um, yeah, so look, I'll be honest, I. <laughs> I got a Twitter and I don't use it. Okay. I've tried. <laughs> right. Maybe there's something, another skill building thing that I really need to work on. But um, <clears throat> I'm more of an Instagram girl. So there you go. <laughs> you can find me at uh, Kyrie Capri. Um, Kyrie, what was it? Kyrie Capri. So okay. uh, K-Y-R-I-E-C-A-P-R-I. Um, fun fact, that is my middle name. Um, Fantastic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time to sit no, down. Thanks for having me, John. I wish oh. you the best of luck in getting those awards to the guys in yeah. Melbourne who absolutely deserve it. Oh, yeah. The series was incredible. So you guys were nominated for a bunch, and you won a bunch mm -hmm. very deservedly. So thank you again, Kyrie, yeah, for sitting you, down. Yeah, thank you, Yeah, thanks for having me. Have, right. have a great night. Wow. And just like that, the madness of the Vancouver WebFest 2017 is behind us. You just got done listening to a range of interviews from some incredibly talented individuals. And I am so grateful to Suzette, Brett, Tripp, Darren, Caitlin, Dolan, Sean, and Kyrie for taking the time to sit down with me over the past two days. I attended all eight of these screening blocks and watched a total of 63 web series selections and attended multiple panels. I was basically in that theater from uh, about 9 a.m. until midnight on both Saturday and Sunday, which makes John a sleepy boy. So <laughs> it was an absolutely incredible weekend, 
and there are some truly amazing selections. So, without further ado, I wanted to present my best of each screening block, and after that, I will choose one of these, or one of those, rather, <laughs> as my best of show for 2017 Vancouver WebFest. All right, so starting with screening block number one. Now, this is at 9 a.m., bright and early on Saturday morning. Now, this is a close one, and for my first exposure to a WebFest, I was thoroughly impressed. The two that really stood out to me from this block were Cumbia Nena and Telegraph Cove. These two series are incredibly different, but they each made me want to watch more of them as soon as they were finished. And I think that is the success of these type of web series selections. So Cumbia Nena, Nena uh, is a musical series from Buenos Aires that tells the story of two young women named Julie and Milu who perform together in their band. And it just kind of goes over the trials and tribulations they go through both personally and professionally. The, the two stars of this were both believable and authentic, and the music was really well done. This was actually in the musical category, and I was really thrilled that there was so much music in it in both of the episodes that we got to watch. So that was really cool. Telegraph Cove, on the other hand, and you just listened to Darren Barman and I talk about this. Uh, this was a mystery slash thriller slash horror, depending on which uh, web fest it was uh, being shown at. Uh, it is from Vancouver, and this one delicately weaved together intrigue and romance while also having some inspired visual choices. It was just really cool. I mean, in some of these thrillers, you can kind of see the jump scares coming, or you can kind of see those types of things. With this one, it was really cool. Darren made some really fun choices as to how he was going to do that. So I was impressed with that. And it had enough twists to make the story compelling and leave us wanting more. Now, if I have to pick one, which I do, because those are the arbitrary rules that I set upon myself, I would have to go with Telegraph Cove. The mystery angle of this show makes me want to know. It makes me want to look further into it and see what other stories they could tell. And as Darren said earlier, there are so many stories of ships disappearing from that region that I could easily see this becoming an anthology type series, which I'm totally on board for. Plus the lead, Savannah, is basically a one woman show in this series, at least from the ones that we had to see. And she was great. Whenever you are put in that position where you're like, okay, this is all you go. It can be really daunting, but she killed it. She was really, really great. So for screening block number one, Telegraph Cove was my choice. Screening block number two. All right, so I hate to say this, but this screening block, it was an easy choice for me, which is Wizards of Oz from Collingwood, Australia. I had watched bits of this show over the past year after hearing about it on some of the Australian podcasts that I listened to from Sans Pants Radio and Nick Mason from The Weekly Planet. So Wizards of Oz is part Lord of the Rings, part Dungeons and Dragons, 
while also being a hilarious comedy that has some political under and overtones in it. Uh, the performance from Michael Shanks as Jack is amazing. Uh, he basically, like like you heard Kirtier talk about, he is a wizard who decides to leave the wizarding plane and come to the human world, and of course is then followed by his arch nemesis. The special effects of this series are absolutely incredible, and I just cannot recommend this series enough. It was awesome. If you like Lord of the Rings, you will like this. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, you will like this. If you like Australian comedy, you will like this. So that was it for screening block number two, Wizards of Oz. Uh, screening block number three, which is another Saturday screening. Now, this Saturday afternoon, screening block had some really, really close ones, and I had to decide between the comedy Craigslist Therapy from Valley Village, USA, or the science fiction slash steampunk League of Steam, which were both very funny and very well shot. Uh, in the end, I am going to go with League of Steam, and no, it is not just because I have a soft spot for musicals. I mean, okay, yes, I have a soft spot for musicals, but that was not the only reason I chose this, but it definitely played a factor. Uh, I was also really impressed by the costuming and set design of League of Steam. I mean, it was just really impressive, especially hearing from Trip how many people made their own costumes and the way they went about that. So huge, huge props to them about their props. That was a really bad joke, and I'm really tired, <laughs> so I apologize for that terrible joke. Um, but yeah, the set design and costuming, the musical numbers, just kind of put it above the bar of Craigslist Therapy, uh, and yeah, took the best of screening block number three, League of Steam. Screening block number four, uh, this block had some incredible work. It had some really rich visuals from the documentary The Forgotten Salmon, uh, and also the very funny single and dating in Vancouver. The best of this block was kind of a surprise to me. Uh, it was just one that after the screening, I was like, you know, I really enjoyed that. I really want to see more of it, even though it was not something that maybe I thought I would like as much, but it was Tea Time from Lyon, France. Now, this story is about a group of women, kind of in the in the bourgeoisie, uh, early 20th century, who just gather around and talk about the latest murders that are in the paper. The characters were really engaging, and they start to kind of realize, okay, we talk about these murders that are in the papers. How would you do it if you did not want to get caught? They start talking about that, and spoiler alert, one of them does, in fact, commit a murder. So the suspense and character building was really solid. And I also really liked the comic book style pages that they intercut during the scenes. So yeah, so Tea Time was my favorite from screening block number four. Screening block number five. All right, whoever made this dumb rule where I can only pick from each, for, pick one from each screening block is really bothering me because this block of series had some incredible pieces. And yeah, I realize I am the one who made that dumb rule, 
But whatever, I can be mad at myself. Uh, this block had 10 series in it, and I really, really liked four of them. Uh, in no particular order so far, my standouts were the drama, uh, That's My DJ from Toronto, the comedy Sublets from New York, the horror Discop Disco <laughs> Discop Discolopolis. This has a really tough name. Think of Disco and Apocalypse. Merge those two together and say it out loud three times. Go. Yeah, not very easy, is it? So I will say Discocalypse Ugh. from Cologne, Germany. And the action-adventure, Brutal, from Puteau, France. All of those four are vastly different. But they all had something that really stood out to me, which was the performance of their main stars. And, uh, I mean, if I'm judging it by which series I enjoyed the most, and the one that I want to much watch more of, it truly is a toss-up between... Discocalypse, which is a zombie-style horror series, and Sublets, the comedy that we talked about earlier with the cast. Uh, I will say this. Sublets is, in my opinion, one of the few from this weekend that I could easily see making the transition to broadcast TV. I mean, it looked like a TV sitcom, while also having just kind of an edge and an attitude all itself. I mean, it was just, it was polished. It was well done. The actors and actresses in it, like it just, it worked. And it looked like something that, yeah, you could be flipping through and watch on TV right now. So huge props to them. That said, Sublets takes my win for block number five. <laughs> Probably no surprise. Uh, screening block number six. Now, this was another one, another block that had some great stuff in it. There was a super, super polished thriller called Madame Hollywood from Studio Plus in Paris. And the offbeat, mockumentary style, The Room Actors, Where Are They Now? from Los Angeles. Now, being a fan of cult classic movies and seeing the work that Robin Paris put into this project, I have to give it to The Room Actors, Where Are They Now? This is a rare breed of show. It manages to take a cult classic, the 2003 film The Room, which is kind of our generation's Rocky Horror Picture Show, where they have midnight screenings, there are callbacks. It is a huge cult classic. And just like most cult classics, I love you, Robin, the movie is terrible. Uh, but when you watch it in those settings at a midnight screening, it is amazing. So I definitely recommend seeing The Room first. It is popcorn. I mean, Mystery Science Theater 3000 style, just bad. But she was able to take that film, that cult classic, and turn it into a show that bleeds that same nostalgia as you see what happened to these actors in this fictional world. So this was very well done, especially knowing how rabid the fan base of all of these cult classics are. She knew going into it, if you mess up or if you do something, you are going to hear about it. So I was really impressed with the room actors. Where are they now? And that was the winner of block number six. Uh, let me see. Block number seven. 
Now, the programmers of this block in particular deserve some special praise because, again, I am faced with the very tough decision of choosing one of these amazing series as the best of this block. It was incredible. I mean, like Suzette said, they get submissions from all over the world. They have judges from all over the world. The programmers are just, they, they are doing some incredible work. And I do not envy them because it has to be incredibly difficult. But for screening block number seven, uh, there was a really touching comedy called Fluffy Marky from Quebec that tells the story of a school bully who gets turned into a puppet. Yes, that type of puppet. Uh, and has to deal with being in the same group of outcasts that he once picked on. So with that, I mean, it kind of, you might have seen a story like that before. It, is, it can be kind of derivative, but the puppetry is great. The young actors in it are also really great. And anyway, you just, you get to feel for this bully like you are meant to. Uh, an odd one from this block that I liked way more than I thought I would was called Meet the Ladybugs from North Bergen, USA. This was kind of a, oh man, like how a uh, PBS style animation that had some very good life lessons put to song. So this one, you kind of just got to find it online and watch it because the song's really catchy, very PBS, very Sesame Street type of thing, but talking about some real issues. So I liked that one. Um, stay-at-home mom uh, from Calabasas, USA was a hilarious situational comedy about just family dynamics and a whole bunch more. Uh, so that was great. Bertrand from Paris, France was an exceptional comedy. And there was another one that was one of the only ones that had no dialogue. It was called In Van City from, of course, Vancouver. It had some of the most captivating visuals of any of the series that I saw. We got to see two episodes, and they were such a huge contrast. The first one had these beautiful colors of some fall trees on a, a kind of residential street. And then the second one was all black and white, focused on these crows and birds flying. It was gorgeous. So, um... And with this one, I think I have to go with the odd couple slash buddy comedy of Bertrand from Paris. The interplay between the two main characters was amazing. And this show, again, was very, very polished. And it looked like it could be on TV right now. So I was just, I was really impressed with that. Especially with all of these series, it takes a lot of time to put these together and the ones that are that caliber I was just I was blown away uh, and then moving on to the last screening screening block number eight this block was packed with some great stories but the two that really stood above the rest for me were dropping the soap a comedy from North Hollywood USA which is a about the kind of behind-the-scenes lives of soap opera stars, and the action adventure Anna from Buenos Aires. 
about a man trying to rescue his girlfriend from human trafficking. I will say this right off the bat. I thought dropping the soap was really funny and as over the top as the actors were who were playing the soap stars, I'm sure it is even crazier in real life. So that was just, it was really funny. Uh, Jane Lynch was in this, who elevated everyone's performance. And she was fantastic, as she always is. And you can tell when she is on set, when she is working with you, I bet she is a blast to work with. But you also recognize you got to bring your A game. And so I could tell with this cast, like they really respected her. Like, okay, this is a big name. We need to make sure we deserve it. So it was hilarious. Uh, and I am going to go out on a limb though and say that Anna from Argentina was the best of this block for its truly unique storytelling narrative. I mean, it was similar to like those choose your own adventure books that we all grew up on. Personally, I was not a huge fan of those. My ADD would kick in and I would just get bored and I would just start flipping through randomly. That was a mess. But this kind of also, it has... Parts of that choose your own adventure has parts of, you know, games like Mass Effect, where you get into a conversation and you have certain things that you can say in that conversation, which will dictate how the story goes. This was similar to that. And that that type of creativity where it puts the decision actually on the audience where you can choose which way he goes or what he how he does a certain thing and it changes the narrative of the story that was just really unique and really well done. So that one impressed me. Uh, so that was just kind of the rundown. Uh, and sorry if I, I kind of breeze through some of those. Like I said, it has been a crazy, crazy weekend. But just to recap, here are the best of each screening block. We have Telegraph Cove, Wizards of Oz, League of Steam, Tea Time, Sublets, The Room Actors, Where Are They Now, Bertrand, and Anna. Again, whose dumb idea was it to not only pick the best of each screening, but then one overall? I gotta talk to the producers of this show. <clears throat> Spoiler alert, I am the producer of this show. Anyway, uh, all of these were absolutely incredible in their own ways. But as I stated before, I'm a professional or at least I play one on a podcast. So, here it is, my best of show for the 2017 Vancouver Web Fest is Wizards of Oz. Uh, maybe that is not too much of a surprise, uh, because I talked about this one all weekend, even before it was screening. When I knew it was going to be screening, I was talking to people that I was with. So, this series combined so many elements. It had action, comedy, incredible visuals, passion, all while letting the creators explore the political issues of the region in a way that people would not really think about. And they, it might get them to think a little bit, be like, okay, this is a funny thing about a wizard coming here, but wait, how, this sounds really familiar. How is it relating to what is going on right now? Really, really well done. So congratulations, Late Night Films and Michael Shanks. Uh, and the only reason that I'm not going to be sending you an award is because I feel like your shelf is going to be really full of them, and I just do not want that shelf to break. I don't want that to be on me. So 
really, I just am looking out for you guys by not sending you another trophy. So there it is. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this coverage of the 2017 Vancouver Web Fest. And now, now is the time on the show where I'm going to list a ton of people <laughs> that I am so thankful for making this event something truly memorable. So Suzette Lacroix, uh, Stephanie Michelle Scott, Susie Lee, uh, for giving me this opportunity and helping me all weekend. Uh, to my guests, Brett Patrick Jenkins, Trip Hope, Darren Borrowman, Dolan Bloom, Caitlin Morris, Sean Murphy, Kyrie Noonan-Jackson, and the whole crew of the Vancouver Web, Web Fest, just for being so welcoming. I gotta say, I love Vancouver. Uh, this has now been twice that I have gone up there to cover festivals in the past couple months, and I just I cannot wait to go back. Every time I go, it is incredible. The Vancouver film community is amazing. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was incredible. Uh, I also cannot forget my friends who I got to see and hang out with uh, this weekend. So, Anna, Nick, and Elad, and of course, the amazing Yvette Liu. It is fantastic uh, meeting up with them, talking about films, just hanging out. And I, we just we had a blast. So, for this podcast, if this is your first time listening, uh, welcome. Feel free to check out my other episodes that deal with all sorts of things, film festivals, comic books, new movies, and the like. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at About to Review. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, if you like the show, and I really hope you do, go ahead and leave a review. Uh, what I do every now and then is when there are some new five-star reviews on iTunes, I read those aloud because you guys support me. So, of course, I want to give that support back. Uh, you can also check out the website, abouttreeview.com, for full show notes. So, if you are wondering where you can find you know, a trailer for something or where you can find some of these web series, it will be in the show notes below. But sometimes when you're listening to this on through the podcast app, it can be a little clunky. So if you go to aboutreview.com, everything is there. Uh, yeah, and then lastly, if you have any questions or comments, you can email those to aboutreview at gmail.com. If you have a festival that you would like me to cover, definitely send me an email. Let me know where it is, what it is, and we will see what we can work out. Uh, so for this episode and all episodes, I have been your host, that guy named John, and I say to you, good night, Canada. We will see you next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media. <laughs>